Bob Howdy and welcome to Ernest Goes to Podcast, the podcast that earnestly strives to perceive the complex truths that lie demure and unassuming behind beloved American icon Ernest P. Worrell as portrayed by the critically acclaimed and somehow also critically maligned Jim Barney. This is episode 25, Ernest and Critics. I'm your host, Aaron, and this is my lovely co-host, David. Oh, are we going to talk about things that the common people enjoy? That's right, the plebeian <laughs> enjoyment <laughs> of slapstick comedian Ernest P. Worrell. Wonderfully enjoyed by the three-watt audience. <laughs> <laughs> we easily entertain. <laughs> we do jest. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, there is nothing wrong with looking at Ernest with a critical eye or even... Not enjoying the delightful <gasps> antics of one Ernest what? P. Worrell. Oh, okay, if you say so. <laughs> but this is the episode in which we will be examining the critical response to Ernest and the overall social perception of Ernest right. throughout his era and then beyond. Yeah, I mean, there's the, <laughs> despite what you may believe from having heard this podcast before, or if you're new to the podcast, we are very vocal in our love of both Ernest P. Worrell and Jim Varney. Yes. But it's a completely valid reaction to not enjoy Ernest or think Jim Varney is not enjoyable to watch. Well, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if I would go that far. <laughs> it's... People can have that reaction. I, I don't agree. I know you don't agree, but those people exist. And um, some of them work for major publications <laughs> that that talked about the Ernest franchise in over the course of the Ernest epoch. So um, I think there is something to be explored there Yeah. in terms of digging deeper into our, our beloved American icon. And for anyone who is new to Ernest Goes to Podcast, this is not a film review podcast. No, and no, it no. never has been. We have always been very... Adamant. Explicit and adamant about yes. the fact that this is a character analysis podcast. Our goal has never been to determine the quality of any given Ernest film. Correct. And that will continue here. You know, my goal for this episode is not to determine the quality of any review of any Ernest film. Right. And we're not going to be talking about like, are these reviews wrong or right? Exactly. It's more just like, what did people have to say about Ernest in Ernest's heyday? And I think throughout this podcast, we have talked very generally about the critical opinion of Ernest, you know, sure. how Ernest has been perceived. We've talked about it in Ernest and Merchandising, and sure. it also came up in Ernest Analogs. Yeah, yeah, the marketing of Ernest and how he exactly. how he sits next to his contemporaries. Absolutely. But basically, this is us bringing receipts, right? Like, we've been talking <laughs> yes, about exactly. how... <laughs> we've been talking about how Ernest has been perceived, mm-hmm. but we have not really, you know, gone deeply into the actual reviews of Ernest. We haven't really gone into people's thoughts Absolutely. in depth. There are patterns that we've noticed, yeah. but now we are going to, you know, go full English class on this and cite our sources. And I am curious to find out if there is going to be an evolution in how people react to Ernest over the years. Sure. I'm curious to find out if we're actually going to notice a change, mm-hmm. a discernible change throughout Ernest's active years. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, this is the podcast where we love Ernest. We examine his character. We try to figure out who he is, what he means, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and now I think, I think now we're going to get more into what he means to us. Mm. That's what it all is transitioning to. What does he mean? To us. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, and what does he mean to the world at sure. different the points world. of the world? Yeah. Uh, so, 
Well, I've basically been trying to find all reviews that came out at the time that specific Ernest movies were released. Sure. You, David, have gone on a search. Yes. An internet-wide search of... All the pop cultural references to Ernest in media. Correct. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you looked for people reviewing the Ernest films and talking about them critically. I tried to find, you know, um, if I can plug the importance of being Ernest documentary. Of course. Beingearnestfilm.com. In service of thinking about how to tell the story of Ernest and Jim Varney for the documentary that I'm directing, I, I wanted to kind of do a deep dive into... When Ernest is talked about, not critically, but sort of like casually. Right. When um, he's referenced. When he comes up on, you know, television, films, and, and how does the reference play from, let's say, a <laughs> a level of respect perspective? Yeah, with references, I'm going to be interested to see, like, what is the... Is there going to be some assumed consensus on what Ernest is that the reference is playing off? And is Ernest is an Ernest reference being used as shorthand to mean some other thing? Um, I can tell you there is Ernest <laughs> references that come up very often as a shorthand to mean some other thing. Oh, and I'll, boy. I'll give you three guesses as to what the other thing is, and the first two don't count. But, uh, you know, I, I cataloged, I got close to 50 references, and I'm sure there oh, are more. Boy. I have to give a big thank you to our listeners yeah. for sending in so many. And, of course, Justin Lloyd helped me find a couple where Who? he, uh, Justin Lloyd, uh, Jim's nephew and the author of The Importance of Being, Being Earnest, Earnest, The Life of, of Actor Jim Varney, Varney available, available on Amazon, Amazon, the book version of the documentary. You know, his his encyclopedic knowledge of Ernest references is mm-hmm. is always a an invaluable asset to our efforts here. And so in a, in, a, in a similar way to what you were describing, both during the Ernest era and beyond, like I've sort of yeah. started to chart oh, these these sort of recurring things happen and, and here's how it stays the same, here's how it changes. Mm. And um, I've tried to watch as many of these as possible. Oh, um, wow. And... This is the, the, the English class. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so... Where do we um, start? Well, we should start at the beginning, David. He is adored. Meet advertising sensation Ernest P. Warren. I love him. I love his commercials, and I li- I like him when he says, "Hey, Vern." Hey, Vern. Starting at the beginning, I mean, we've talked about these before, but there was a lot of news segments that talked about the phenomenon of Ernest as you know an advertising campaign. Sure. We just rewatched a bunch of them before we started recording to have that in our minds. But that was basically the start of the Ernest coverage, right? right? newscasters are reporting on Ernest as news. There's this phenomenon. Wherever Ernest goes, like this Christmas parade, people go crazy. At a recent football game in South Carolina, more than 80,000 people cheered Ernest as he walked out on the field. One police officer was overcome with emotion. I mean, they wouldn't have said it at the time. They wouldn't have said viral at the time, but that's what it is. (laughs) This viral sensation that we don't call viral because it's 1984. Right. Ernest P. Worrell. I was going to ask, when you say, when you say that we're starting at the beginning, the beginning for Ernest is like 1980, 81. Yes. So around 84 is where he starts to really take off. And I think in one of the clips we were watching, they talked about him being in, was it 80 markets or something like that? Ernest commercials are currently seen in 63 television markets across the country. More than 2,000 Ernest commercials have been filmed in the past five years. The spots are now seen in more than 100 major cities. Yeah, something like that. Yes, which is astounding. 
And for context, we know now that like Ernest was in thousands and thousands of commercials. Yes, the the numbers kept rising. Sure, and the number of markets kept rising as well, and they mm-hmm. kept selling and selling. And Ernest spread. Yes, <laughs> throughout the country, at the very least, and throughout the world, he was his commercials were dubbed into Japanese. That's right. Yeah, you know. So I think the coverage of Ernest started out largely positive. All of these these news segments talking about, you know, Jim Varney, Shakespearean actor, mm-hmm. turned this character, is taking the nation by storm, and wow, look how popular he is, and people love him, and he's in a parade, and sure. look at all his fans. Sure, sure. Look at all the meet and greets he's doing. It's a very, like, positive... Isn't this interesting? Isn't yes. this neat? Yeah. I mean, it's news. It's not meant to be uh, an art review. It's right. not meant to be art criticism. Mm-hmm. Once you get into the films, I think the tide turns quite sharply. Right. It's this thing exists. You all have seen it and let's talk about it. Not this thing exists and I'm here to tell you whether you should pay money for it or not. Yeah. Interesting. There's going to be a lot to discuss. I do have a list, as I mentioned, of contemporary earnest film reviews. So these are reviews that came out at the time that the Ernest film came out and they're talking about it as a new film. So contemporary to the films themselves. Contemporary to the film. Right, right, right. These are reviews, movies and theaters. It just came out and here's what we think about it. Yeah. Ernest's contemporaries, right? Yes. And this is not at all a comprehensive list of reviews. This is what I could find. So a lot of these have been lost to time. Or locked behind paywalls that we can't get to. There's a lot to unpack. I'm going to show you my list of reviews. There are many bullets on Aaron's bulleted list. Yeah, we won't have time to even, even if we had all of them, we wouldn't possibly have time. But let's get uh, an overview. Sure. So after the Ernest ads. Okay, so so it's mid 80s. Ernest ads are popular. They're like, hey, we're going to make an Ernest movie. Mm -hmm. And the first film is? Ernest Goes to Camp. Correct. 1987. Mm. You know, it's so strange. In my brain, the Ernest films are always earlier than they actually are. Mm -hmm. I always think Ernest Goes to Camp is like 85, and I couldn't tell you why. 85, I believe, was... That's basically... Yes, it's Dr. Otto, and that's when the majority of those news segments were coming out. Yeah. 84, 85. So I'm like, wow, here's Ernest taking the nation by storm. I wonder if... And it makes sense that how long does it take to make a movie? Sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Right. But I I wonder if I mentally associate the pinnacle of the ad Ernest Mm -hmm. with like, oh, well, now that's what must have been when the movies came out. No, it's actually... It would have to be a couple of years afterward because make the deal... Write the script, decide on the script, script gets approved, make the movie, you know, (laughs) present all your pitches to Disney, (laughs) see what lands, see what sticks. See if there are budgets for sand pictures. (laughs) No sand pictures. Yeah. We don't do dust movies. Dust movies. That was it. Sorry. I, I love that I, dust <laughs> movies became sand pictures. I couldn't remember. I was like, it's some, so it, close. It's, it's some asinine phrase, and I couldn't remember the specifics. Okay. Ernest Goes to Camp, not a dust movie, mm-hmm. a movie on solid ground. Sure, But sure. they had the budget for Molotov cocktails and a giant- Man? Uh, <laughs> giant man? Yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah, a giant man. The, the largest man in the world. Right, the largest man in the world who beats up Ernest. All right, let's start. Ernest Goes to Camp, 1987. Oh, got it, okay. What so we the got? first review on my list comes from the Washington Post. Ah. My Washington Post staff writer. I'm not going to be naming names. Sure, we don't have to I, call people do, out. If you disagree with any of these reviews, or if we disagree with any of these reviews, do not seek out the critic 30 years later. Correct. And start slamming them on the internet for no reason. Correct, we do not it's, condone it's that. Fi- it's okay. Whatever they say is absolutely fine. You okay. Know, I think at this point it's important to reiterate, not only is this a character analysis podcast- That's right. But it is also 
also, as we've said many times, a bastion of positivity right. in the earnest tradition. Love accepting. Mm-hmm. We have no interest in taking down anyone. That's right. And hold that in mind if I get angry at any of these things. <laughs> if. <laughs> okay. Of course, I won't always be fixing things around here. One day I will be a full-fledged counselor. I have learned all the steps in the path of the brave. I have memorized the handbook. And I learned to kick a key sign language. If only they'd give a fella a chance. I'm sure they will, Ernest. Nuh-uh. The Mental Age of the new film Ernest Goes to Camp, featuring Jim Varney as Ernest P, the P stands for Power Tools, Worrell, is about 13. That is, the age when the side-splittingest thing in the world is fake vomit or a whoopee cushion or any joke made at the expense of your little sister. Okay. So the age where... I, I understand. They're saying that the, the, the tenor of an Ernest film is sophomoric. Yes. Yes. But Ernest Goes to Camp is not a full-tilt gross-out. In fact, on the relative scale of young teens at camp movies, it's pretty gentle stuff. Yeah. Agreed. Right. What we're really looking for, or what I'm really looking for, is a description of Ernest. How is Ernest himself perceived? Not so much the film. So here we go. A description of Ernest, quite literally. Dressed in his signature denim vest, Mm -hmm. gray t-shirt, and platypus-billed cap, Ernest looks a little like Daffy Duck, but without feathers. So (laughs) Hashtag Ernest Analogs. Yet another Daffy Duck comparison. Thanks for the sour prithinum, Coven. (laughs) Coven. (laughs) Uh, our guest Chris compared Ernest to Daffy Duck in our episode on Ernest Goes to Jail. That's right. And we mentioned Daffy Duck as an Ernest analog. Oh, yeah. And I believe Nelson in uh, in Ernest Scared Stupid also compared Ernest to Daffy Duck. Yep. So, I mean, there's something there. The world is against them. Yeah. (laughs) And they're just fighting. For some semblance of respect. Yes. So he's his own cartoon likeness. And the same sort of rampant bad luck that plagues Daffy bedevils Ernest, too. Impossible Um, luck. I I think this is in line with what we've been saying. Yeah, absolutely. At least in terms of Ernest as a cartoon character. And even not that far into this review as you've gone, it occurs to me one thing that we want to observe about these reviews is, you know, we can agree or disagree with them, but are they fair? Like, are they saying things that are accurate about the film? Or is it just like, I know what this is without having seen it? And like from what this sounds like so far, it's like, yeah, this is all pretty This accurate. sounds objectively true, yeah. yeah. He's sort of a walking zero, the definitive sad sack. Standing right in front of you, he's missing in action. <laughs> I like that. What does that mean? It means that like, despite his physical presence, he's somehow somewhere else. <laughs> Poor Ernest. Yeah. But this, this, to me, is an accurate description of... As we perceive it, Ernest's relationship to the world. Absolutely. To the world that he inhabits. You know, No matter how much the jackals against, yeah. tear him apart, he strives to be seen as a, a gentleman. To say that Ernest is accident prone is an understatement. The physical world is in rebellion against him. This is just, I'm actually really impressed. It's funny that they say that here in Ernest Goes to Camp. And I think we started saying that maybe further on, like Ernest goes sure. to jail when, when inanimate objects started rebelling against him. Right. <laughs> but of course, uh, the golf cart is in this one, right? So That's right. So it started all the way back. We just, they caught on to it faster than I did, at least. Mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and say that. Everything he touches, golf carts, ladders, nature in all its various forms and guises becomes his sworn enemy. Fire it! Oh, 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 you said you'd never do this again. Ow. That's poison ivy, Ernest. Oh, my God. 
Life, alas, is not his friend. But if Ernest is a dopey hayseed, he's an anger one. Or an earnest one. Nice. His goal is modesty itself, to become a full-fledged counselor at a boy's summer camp named Camp Kikaki, pronounced with a stutter, Kikaki. Huh? I don't know about that. I'm sure? Ernest has a mission, shaping and molding youthful minds into a focused worldview, and no one has ever been more ill-suited to the task. Here's where I start to disagree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Although the film is little more than a slapstick showcase for the nosy neighbor character Varney has played in TV commercials, it's not the slapped-together piece of work you might expect. John mm. Cherry III, who created the Ernest character and directed Varney in his commercials, and served as director and co-writer here, has some sense of how to set up a gag on screen, and he's got a feel for how to draw on his performer's strengths. As a result, the movie is fairly inoffensive, and younger kids might get a real boost out of its us-against-the-world spirit. Sure. Yeah. It's not as off-the-wall funny as Meatballs, <laughs> which, even with Bill Murray's Harry Strawberry performance, wasn't one of the movie's prouder moments. Hmm. Huh? I- I've honestly never seen Meatballs. I don't know. I was just, you know, I was literally, as you're saying that, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, just sort of let this review wash over me before I react to it. Who talks about the movie Meatballs? Like, I've, I've. Well, it's 1987. But like now is what I'm right, saying. Right, now. People, people were talking about re- Ernest yeah. Goes to Camp. There's a full-fledged Ernest. Where's Meatballs Day is what I'm saying, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as off the wall funny as Meatballs, but there isn't a Meatballs Day, is there? Exactly. You Wait. got it. You got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it says it's lacking that movie's funky impotence. Okay. Sure. I mean, it's. I think it's a different I age can, group. can neither confirm nor deny. I've never seen Meatballs. Me either. In its place, there's almost a naive quality. Sure. It's a different tone. And, yeah. Believe it or not, it's kind of like Ernest. <laughs> I agree. Bumbling and big-hearted and one brick shy of a load. <laughs> Ernest Goes to Camp at Area Theaters is rated PG. There you go. Uh, you know, I mean, we are always disagreeing that Ernest is, you know, quote-unquote dumb. Sure. But uh, aside from that common disagreement that we have with much of the entire world, I would say that that's a fair and balanced... <laughs> yeah. Uh, review and description of Ernest. There was nothing, and you know, this was a tone that you've described in other places with Ernest things that we've seen, you know, some of the news reports on TV or things like that, where people almost come into it with a chip on their shoulder already, like, oh, I have to do this. Um, And and I don't get that sense here. And maybe I'm wondering if it's because we're still coming off of that positivity. The commercial high? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pleasantly surprised by this first review. This is sounds like a review I would have written, but uh, I I wonder whether, or I wonder to what extent um, oversaturation becomes a right an element as we move into the further movies and the further adventures of Ernest in the future. Well, this is another review of Ernest Goes to Camp from the exact same time. What publication is this? This is the New York Times. Oh, Oh, the hometown paper days. (laughs) Here we go. How would you like to spend 90 minutes with Crazy Eddie? Okay. <laughs> I think we already can see where this is going. Okay. Um... <laughs> Ernest Goes to Camp is a lot easier on the eardrums, but you get the idea. Take a character well-known from television commercials, spin him off into a future film, and destroy that fuzzy line between commercials and entertainment. Interesting. Okay. 
Okay. I mean, it certainly is a transition. Well, and that also suggests that commercials are not there, uh, maybe fair enough. There's a distinction to be made between entertainment and things that are entertaining. Yes, which feels maybe advertisements that are entertaining as a way to sell something rather than entertainment for entertainment's sake. It feels like a uh, a literature versus capital L literature sort of distinction, sure. maybe. As Ernest P. Worrell, better known as Vern's neighbor. Maybe. He, you know, <laughs> he does say, hey, Vern, he a lot. He says Vern more than he says Ernest. <laughs> we right. can give them that, yeah. Jim Varney has appeared in hundreds of local commercials around the country. Yeah, this is still reacting to, like, remember, Ernest is an ad the phenomenon, guy, yeah. and now he is a movie. And sure, This sure. is a new, a new concept. Interesting, yeah. Ernest is a wide-eyed, wide-mouthed yokel, <laughs> constantly sticking his head in Vern's window and his nose in Vern's business. Telling the helpless, always unseen neighbor what soft drink or car or mattress to buy. He is the kind of well-meaning pain in the neck who can be amusing for about 30 seconds, and then only because you're not Vern. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jana Cherry 3D. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it says 3D. Is that in tr true dimension? <laughs> Jana Cherry, they mean the third. The advertising executive who invented Ernest and directed all those commercials also directed and co-wrote Ernest Goes to Camp, his first movie. While it's not so much a movie as a marketing decision, it seems based on the premise that no success should go unexploited. I don't really have any... This... I have no opinion on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will adults leave home to see a very long commercial? We won't really know, because Mr. Cherry has come up with a kiddie film set in summer camp. Cleverly aiming his campaign to market Ernest at an audience of unsuspecting children. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny. Minimal plot, cartoon characters, instant movie. All right. So we talk about the plot. Let's see if we can find a description of Ernest himself. At Camp Kikakee, Ernest is a handyman turned counselor in charge of a half a dozen delinquent boys who look awfully clean cut and well bred to begin with. If you say so. I mean, it is a Disney movie. I mean, I don't know what they're supposed to look like. They're children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not smoking cigars. Well, it's like that thing of like, oh, you're a poor person. Why do you have a cell phone? And it's because like, people need cell phones Maybe. in modern society. I, like, what I do don't you... want to go too hard in on this person. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I don't know what they mean. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> the point is made again and again that these baby punks just need some love and attention. I would agree. They are children. Mm-hmm. And Ernest can save them, for while his look and manner are the same as on television, Mr. Varney may never escape Ernest after this, mm. here he is, a lonely guy with a pathetic know-it-all swagger. <laughs> oh, I yeah. mean, uh, not yeah. wrong, not wrong. Yeah, says so the characters and their inspirational message are served up as neatly as they were in commercials. I mean, also, it's a Disney movie. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. In one energetic scene, Ernest and his gang fight off the contractors by using flaming arrows, flying food, and attack turtles. <laughs> attack sure. turtles. They don't attack turtles. They use right. attack turtles. Each one's sent off in its own little parachute. But that doesn't make up for all the obvious comedy and the maudlin theme. Ernest Goes to Camp opened yesterday at Guild 50th Street and other theaters. It's such a pesky film. Now I know how poor Vern feels. Okay. A pesky film. I've never heard a film Pesky described. film. I've never heard a film swatted off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never heard a film described as pesky before. That's but Ernest has been described as pesky. Sure, I guess. Yeah, I mean, a pesky film. Okay. Yeah. So Ernest is, uh, yeah, a wide-mouthed <laughs> yokel. Uh, 
I do Some think might say triangular mouth. These are all fairly subjective, but tinged negative yeah. uh, descriptions of Ernest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is fine. It's like that's their response to to these qualities that Ernest has. Mm-hmm. Right? So I would say they're still fairly I, objective. No lies detected. Yeah. So that was the New York Times, 1987. Yes. Let's see how the Los Angeles Times described Ernest in his film debut. Oh, <laughs> the LA Times review is titled "The Unimportance of Being Ernest." Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, gosh, I can't imagine what this review is going to be like in terms of its overall tenor. Oh, dear. Yeah? Okay. Well, I was going to focus on how they describe Ernest, but this is relevant, the okay. tone that it starts off with. All right. Let's, let's hold on. Hold on. Okay. <sighs> I don't even... Okay. I'm ready. Ernest Goes to Camp, which opens Citywide Friday, is the kind of movie that could drive you to Chinese checkers or Saturday nights at the laundromat. A few more on this level might help bring back radio drama or flea circuses. Which is, to, I think they say they didn't enjoy it. They would enjoy any of those right. other things so, more. So ostensibly, these other activities, we're all supposed to be given to understand that these are boring activities. Yeah, that, no one that likes this, Chinese checkers. I mean, I played it all the time as a kid, but or or radio dramas like those a, will never come back. A, a wonderful art form <laughs> that you are listening to in its modern incarnation <laughs> as we speak. Ah, uh, they say it's an excruciating experience. Wow. All right. Oh, Ernest. Designed as a vehicle for Jim Vardy's character, Ernest Worrell, wildly popular on Southern TV commercials. Hmm. I would disagree with them being characterized as Southern commercials. It makes movies like Meatballs look like (laughs) models of dry, sophisticated, urbane wit. Okay. Interesting. Another Meatball. Again, I guess a contemporary, a film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Comedy contemporary. Sorry, I'm going to, I don't mean to interject because I do want to hear this whole review. The first review that you read yeah. really just kind of laid out what the movie was and what this person thought about it. Yeah. And it seems like as we go further into this, I don't know if it's just meatballs or if it's like more and more it seems like, well, how can we compare this to other things? Like it's this, well, it becomes less about the movie itself and more about like using other things as like a, a touchstone, whether it sure. be laundromats or uh, right. other Flea films. Circus. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. I understand like having a point of ref- presenting a point of reference for sure. somebody to. Yeah. Yeah. But I, this actually continues in describing Ernest himself. Okay. Varney's Ernest looks a bit like Hunts Hall, sounds a bit like Strother Martin, and behaves like a cross between Don Knotts Barney Fife and Jim Neighbors Gomer Pyle. So now it's just a pile of comparisons. (laughs) A Gomer pile of comparisons? He looks like Hunts Hall uh, and sounds like Struther Martin. Okay, so he looks like this one guy and he sounds Southern. Yeah. Okay. I I mean, I guess. And also he acts like Gomer Pyle and Barney Fife. Which is exactly what we said in Ernest Analogues. I mean, we did say that. Okay. His forte consists of nonsensical babbling. Fair enough. (laughs) Stumbling and grotesque grimaces. While grimacing, Ernest often faces the camera and twists himself into such contortions that he seems perpetually in the center of a fisheye lens. I mean, he's literally... I would say that in terms of the ads, he is quite literally perpetually in the center of a fisheye lens. For Ernest Goes to Camp, the film, not so much. Not so much. Yeah, you're right. Uh, But this is, you know, this is coming off the ads and what we know of Ernest from the ads. Yeah. So they're, they're remembering his face, I think. Sure, sure. In this star vehicle, Ernest is a good-hearted, okay, 
Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Let's get our earnest description. He's a good-hearted, accident-prone, nitwit custodian at a summer camp, suddenly pressed into service as camp counselor for a cabin full of juvenile delinquents. Mm -hmm. The delinquents are hard-boiled but lovable. Ernest is idiotic but lovable. The other campers are sadistic, but ultimately they're lovable too. There are also lovable camp owners who are also swindled into signing away their land by a decidedly unlovable corporation head played by John Vernon. At some point in there, I wondered if lovable really meant lovable, but it might. I mean, I'm taking lovable in this context to mean like appealing. Sure. Yeah. Says for 90 minutes, we get to watch Varney's Ernest run around flopping his arms like a chicken, yeah. mug, fall on his face, fall off ladders, and fall over backward. Every which way but up, as you mentioned. And Correct. <laughs> every once in a while, when he's done something especially stupid, he tries to distract our attention by pointing to a non-existent rabbit and then running away. Does he do that more than once? No. When he pointed to the rabbit to distract Chuck and Eddie from feeding him eggs erroneously, right. it wasn't because he did something stupid. Oh, maybe are they confused? Facts. <laughs> it I, it's all mashing together. And you know. Another thing to say about these reviews we are coming to to this with right. with I'm going to say um, expertise. We and, have poured over every minute detail of these films. This is someone went to a film once, once exactly, and then came out and was like, "This is what I thought." So we have to be yes, <laughs> some leeway must be given. Yes, even again, any inaccuracies must yes. be given mm -hmm. a loving leeway. Yes. Yeah, they talk about uh, Chuck and Eddie. Uh, talk about slapstick says the two moronic camp cooks who force each other to eat nauseating dishes and wind up throwing all their food on the bad guys with some kind of Rube Goldberg contraption. Correct. Is it only 60 years since the heyday of silent comedy? Only 30 years since the heyday of the Three Stooges? Their slapstick secret seems as lost as the culture of the Incas. Huh? Okay. Interesting point uh, of reference. So are you saying... Lost as the culture of the Incas. Is this reviewer saying that this film is recalling those artistic skills or is, is it saying it's a shame that I, we've gone from there to, to this? this that's what i'm trying to uh, possibly yeah yeah all right it just ends ernest goes to camp is rated pg which means that neither ernest nor the turtle is nude we can't be sure about the rabbit <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny anyway I like, I like that as our grandmas once told us if you can't say something nice you shouldn't say anything at all okay so probably this movie shouldn't be reviewed at all Oh. oh. <laughs> Even though, actually, there is one nice thing about it. It is. Ironized Cody appears in a large supporting role as the owner of Camp Kickery or Kickapoo or Kick Around, whatever it's called. That was the that was the shining bright spot of Ernest Goes to Camp. The the Sicilian masquerading <laughs> as Native American. <laughs> that was the one. <laughs> I mean, for this reviewer, oh, yeah. that, they had it. They had they, it. In everybody for them. has their. Yeah. They were. This reviewer was a big fan of not throwing trash <laughs> on the highway. Yeah, as am I. Mm -hmm. Sir, same. Okay, the Herald. Thanks to uh, this blog that is called "What a Feeling," because what a feeling. it's archived a few vintage movie reviews. Oh, so that's where this comes from. It says this review came from the Herald, which was the daily newspaper of Everett, Washington. Do you mind if I read this one? Here you go. Okay. I will react. Okay. Oh, uh, you know, even just uh, at, a, at a cursory glance, I can see yeah. that there's some interesting comparisons okay. that are being made here. I'm going to start this one from the Herald. <clears throat> Folks, we live in strange times indeed. The global capabilities of modern mass media have created the existence of instant pop celebrities, odd people who dash oh. into the spotlight and establish their peculiar status. 
Would you say it happens as quickly as some kind of contagion mm, spreading? Mm, I see, I see. Yeah, it's like a, some yeah. sort of outbreak. Yes, yeah, I understand. Like a, there's another word. Yes, it's uh, Dr. Mario. Yeah. You don't know where they came from, and you don't know why they've come. <laughs> what other world could spawn Pee Wee Herman <laughs> and Max Headroom, <laughs> Fawn Hall, don't know who that is, and Donna Rice, and the queen of them all, according to this person, Vanna White. <laughs> Vanna White. That was the queen yes. of viral comic sensations <laughs> from I advertising. Of all, the, of all the buttons to a uh, paragraph that I could have imagined, I did not expect it to go to you Vanna White. You know what? She's still around. That's true. That's still true. looking Respect. fabulous. Mm-hmm. And unavoidably, one, Ernest P. Worrell. Unavoidably. I mean, he was ubiquitous. He was, yes. And again, like oversaturation. Yeah. 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 He is the, he is, as you literally just said, he is the ubiquitous, (laughs) amply beaked, putty faced character who who appears in a, (laughs) I'm sorry, who, (laughs) I don't know what to say. This is not that funny. Uh, Just something about the hyperbole here is very, is really catching me. He is the ubiquitous, amply beaked, putty faced character who appears in approximately one zillion <laughs> television ads, accosting his unseen neighbor, in parentheses, Hey Vern, yeah. with a limitless variety of products. Yeah. Ernest is the creation of actor Jim Varney and advertising executive John R. Cherry III. We should mention Tom Farrell also as sure. the co creator of the character. Oh, yeah. You can read more about Tom Farrell in The Importance of Being Ernest. Uh, the creation of actor Jim Varney and advertising executive John R. Cherry III, who have parlayed a brilliant advertising scheme, instead of a national ads, Ernest does dozens of regional spots, <laughs> into something like a phenomenon. Yes. And now, into a movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. Da, da, da. This just describes what happens in the movie. Things um, that happens in the movie. Um, okay, so they go through the plot. Now, even if you like Ernest on those commercials, mm-hmm. you'd have to admit that 90 minutes of him could stretch pretty thin. It could. In Pee-wee's Big Adventure, a surreal character was given the proper surreal surroundings, and, mm. an, and an imaginative tone was found. Mm. Ernest Goes to Camp takes a similarly bizarre character, but they've tried to shoehorn him into a normal story. Is Ernest as bizarre as Pee-wee as a character? Is Ernest as bizarre as Pee-wee as a character? Gosh. I um, think Pee-wee is, like I mentioned, a demon. And I don't think that he comes off as any kind of I real person. That you said he was a demon. You said it like a thousand times. <laughs> I did call him a demon. Pee Wee Herman, I... the demon, which Aaron said in approximately <laughs> one zillion podcast episodes. In the Ernest Analogs. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yeah. And it was part two. No, I it was mean, part one. I, oh, it was part one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, I mean, it, that's the kind of creature that I feel that Pee Wee is. I would characterize <laughs> Ernest as a man, a human Who man. you call a creature? I would say Ernest is a human man. I'm just saying, I disagree that he's equally surreal, and therefore, I think they're implying that the camp setting is too mundane for Ernest. Or And here's here's what I'll say. As I said in Ernest Analogs, Pee Wee Herman, I don't think, ever escapes being a parody of another character. Right. Whereas Ernest is Ernest. Like, he is more of a, and especially in this film, Jim Varney literally says in interviews, we're trying to show the humanity of Ernest. Yeah. So I I disagree with this reviewer, but I will continue. This means we have the spectacle of Ernest getting choked up, giving inspirational speeches, and, so help me, singing a teary tune that goes, gee, I'm glad it's raining. That's 
There's some irony involved. Ernest sings the song to his turtle. But the success of the Ernest character in the commercials depends on his braggadocio and his knack for self-destruction. Hmm. When sentimentality arrives, Ernest falls flat. Hmm. He's left with some occasionally funny sophomoric humor. His advice on forest trekking becomes a philosophy of life in general. Quote, don't pick at it or it will never heal. Co-creator Cherry also directed the movie without much feel for how to build comic sequences. The whole thing is paced as though it were a, well, a television commercial. Which, until he decides to write his autobiography or record his own album, will have to remain Ernest P. Worrell's natural medium. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Um, hmm. Interesting here that they, they have a problem with sentimentality being introduced. And it is true that, I mean, we did talk about, when we talked about Ernest Goes to Camp, how in the ads, you never see the part where Ernest goes home after- feels bad about himself, yeah. Yeah. And sits in a dark room and is depressed about the state of his life. Right. And they find that that doesn't work for the character. I I feel the opposite. I mean, I like, I love Ernest as a character and I want to explore all the facets of him and all the various emotions that he would go through as if he were a full person. I like it. Sure. You know. Well, and it's interesting because we have already discussed how there is this, not hard line, but there is a separation between ad Ernest yes. and film Ernest. Yeah. And this is where that distinction originates. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you were a hardcore a fan of ad Ernest and you went to see this film, I could see you might be disappointed because yeah. it's like, oh, I like the guy who was like... Ernest, Ernest like, the jerk. I, like I when thought he was... that was funny. I do not find this funny. Exactly right. And yeah. not, or like it makes me think of like some of our listeners, for mm -hmm. example, who are like, "Oh, I don't like this one Ernest film as much as the others because it's not as funny." And mm -hmm. it's like, well, is for you know for some people the comedy of it is like the end all be all, and for yeah. other people it's like, is this just a successful movie at what it wants to be? Or for other people it could be something entirely different. So it's it's interesting to see the point where. Ernest, the character, splits and becomes film Ernest and ad Ernest. We're seeing a <laughs> a report from the moment that that happens. Yeah. And and in terms of, like, a quality of craft and execution, mm -hmm. I would say that the ads are, in terms of execution, yeah. better, for lack of a better term, than the film. The sure. film's execution in the medium of film is not as good as the ad's execution in the medium of crafting an ad. Well, so, I mean, but it's not to say that the films are meritless. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, taking it within the context of the Ernest Brain Trust kind of experience, they've made hundreds and hundreds of commercials. They've made one, one film. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think that the trade in the craft of, you know, they're not as practiced in making films as they are in making ads, but we get to explore this character. Yeah. And we get a lot more out of Jim Varney. And I think that's a... If that's a trade in any sense, then it's a worthwhile trade. It's it's another Interesting, it's yeah. another part that we can explore. It's something that we gain. Yeah. And and also, you know, in terms of my own interest in the franchise, it's an experiment. Yeah. It's like, oh, what if we tried this? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, Literally, I don't know. why not? Mm-hmm. <sighs> what else we got? I did find, uh, lastly from 1987, an article that is not a review but coincided with the release of the film. Okay. Again, from the Los Angeles Times. An article about? About the fact that the film exists. Interesting. Okay. Oh, how odd. Okay. It's funny that this article is called 
the importance of being earnest. <laughs> okay. And yet their review from the same paper was called The Unimportance of Being Earnest. Oh, is this like a an editorial and then an op-ed? Is that the kind of... Let me see. Like uh, dueling, dueling, dueling viewpoints. Of, dueling viewpoints because it's two different writers assigned to these things. I mean, I assume they have a dedicated film critic, but okay. The Importance of Being Earnest from the Los Angeles Times, 1987. Lay it on me. Maybe you got the impression that Disney's Ernest Goes to Camp is the first feature for Jim Varney, creator of Ernest P. Worrell. <laughs> Just okay. continue before I the start to fact check. The world's most successful hick salesman. <laughs> yeah, David made a face. I felt bad reading that word. Currently seen in 140 TV markets nationwide. Wow, okay. Pitching everything from car dealerships to pizzas. Uh, maybe you thought that was the first movie. Not so. Two years ago, Varney and writer, director, producer John Cherry III gave us Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Bean, mm. in which Varney played five roles in a madcap yarn about a mad scientist's plan to take over the world. The picture... Variety's Peter Bessis called it so amateurish it is a penance to sit through. Never oh, made it to wow. L.A. <laughs> Sorry, could you read that again? So amateurish, amateurish it is a penance to sit through. So you have you have sinned to such a degree that to make up for it, you need to go and watch and sit through the Dr. Otto movie. Wow. Okay. Never made it to L.A. But how do you really feel? Cherry, whose Nashville-based advertising company launched Ernest, told us the first release was limited to Texas and a few Midwest states. Mm. We made it for $800,000. Hey, we got a budget for Dr. Wow, Otto. last last episode we got the uh, the release. release date, yeah. yeah, 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 okay. We made it for $800,000 and we'll see our money back from the video cassette sales. Because $60, $60 videos. <laughs> no. That's because you sold them for you can't see it. Yeah, we'll we'll make our money back from the VHS sales because we're going to sell one copy <laughs> For eight hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. Yeah, Ernest has a huge following. He says it's true. True enough. How did Disney get involved in the three point five million dollar camp? According to Cherry, Varney and Mickey Mouse rode in a pace car at the 1986 Indianapolis 500. True story. When the crowd screamed, "World's trademark!" Know what I mean, Van? Instead of going mouse crazy. Sure. Disney execs got hip. That's well said. Yeah. yeah. Camp hasn't excited critics either, but grosses are promising. $6.6 million in its first five days. Cool. Cherry said sequels to Camp are being contemplated, including Ernest in the Army, mm. all the way back in 1987, Ernest the Bellhop, and Ernest in Paradise, in which the character- <laughs> In which the character wins a South Seas vacation. Ah, okay. So we, we have seen this article before. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'll just plug the Ernest P. Worrell Preservation Society sure. podcast for oh, yeah. deeper exploration into the unmade Ernest films, unmade Ernest film scripts. Yeah. And, um, and performances of them. Yeah. So the Variety reviewer calling it so amateurish it's a penance to sit through or calling Dr. Out of that. It's interesting because this is, this is a larger issue with film reviews in general in which people are professional film critics and they are assigned films to watch right sure like any other medium films are subjective and right. to force essentially force someone to consume it you know you're going to have based on that person uh, a variety of different reactions but i think 
just the fact that you're being made to watch something that you wouldn't have watched otherwise, right. it already puts you in the state of like not being extremely receptive yeah. to whatever it is. Yeah, you know? interesting. It's a disadvantage of film reviews that if the person was assigned to it, their state of mind watching it might not be, can't wait to see this, or I'm interested in this theme. It's more like, I have to watch this movie. Well, and thinking about the state of the earnest audience at that time. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I learned while uh, researching the documentary is that reportedly the official Ernest fan club had 50,000 members towards the end of the 80s, like wow. right around like 1989. So it, yeah, it's, it's exactly what you're saying. Like whether you are assigned to see a movie or whether you are in this fan club and you're like, oh my goodness, there's going to be a film with this actor in it. Like I got to go see this. Like those are two very di yeah. diametrically opposed ways to walk into a theater. I think even even for me personally, like you, Aaron. I did not experience any kind of overexposure to Ernest. He Same. was not inescapable yeah. for me. That's exactly right. So I see Ernest and I'm just like, oh, this thing that no one really talks about now. I want to know more about this. I want to consume every I want to find the patterns in this character's trajectory. Sure. It's 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 interesting for me. It's like archaeology or but also I love him and I think it's a great character. It's what I need right now at this point in my life. So sure, yeah. Well, and yeah, it's just overexposure can really color, you know, depending on when you come to something. It can really color your experience with it. Yeah. But anyways, so let's talk about Ernest. Let's move on to Christmas. Oh, before we get to Christmas, can I talk a little bit about Ernest in pop culture? Yeah, yeah. Because, so we're in 1987, yeah? Yep. Yeah, so, um, you know, I've got my, I've done my due diligence. I've got okay. my spreadsheet of Ernest in pop culture references. When did you say uh, Camp was released? 87. And which month? May. The earliest <laughs> pop culture reference to Ernest I can find is on Saturday Night Live, Weekend Update. There is a Ernest Goes to Camp reference sure. in that segment. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, it seems like as Ernest goes national with like a feature film, that's when he sort of starts to become this sort of presence or this like reference point mm -hmm. that people can kind of go to for better or for worse. And, mm -hmm. and as we move into Christmas, um, there is also a year later, okay. a Christmas reference in the exact same Saturday Night Live segment with the exact same host, Dennis Miller. Uh, who we'll go through the Christmas reviews first and then I'll come back to this. But okay. I, I just I wanted to say that this is sort of where not only the Ernest film franchise starts, but it's also where coincidentally or not, my it's your my, list starts. My list starts of the, the research that I've been able to get through so far. Okay. Yeah. Oh all right. So let's start with the Chicago Tribune. Okay, so these are Ernest Saves Christmas reviews from the time that Ernest Saves Christmas was released. November nineteen eighty eight. It's nice to find somebody with such devotion to Christmas. You know, I don't tell many people this, but Christmas is just about my favorite time. Ever since I was a little kid, I always felt like it was my own personal holiday. I'm at one with the Yuletide, know what I mean? <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Go ahead, Aaron. As children's entertainment, Ernest Saves Christmas barely scrapes by. It's an uninspired, though reasonably brisk 90 minutes, but amateur anthropologists should have a great time. Is that us? I believe so. <laughs> That's us, dude. <laughs> the only true wisdom consists in knowing that you know, know nothing. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Continue. <laughs> Continue. It continues. The popular mythology of Christmas as the Victorians and notably Charles Dickens invented it once seemed relatively simple. Coca-Cola. And straightforward. Okay. A matter of exchanging gifts, eating goose, and having good feelings about your fellow man 
But uh, I think we're talking about Christmas now. So this is a review of Christmas. We have to explain <laughs> what Christmas is before we explain. Christmas was this, and earnest, now it is earnest, this. Now it's picture. movies like like this. Mm-hmm. But as movies and pop music have developed it in such diverse works as Miracle on 34th Street, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the Christmas myth has become as madly dense as a Nordic cycle. The, the Christmas? The Christmas. Drawing in legions of legendary characters, hundreds of archetypal plots, and some highly complex metaphysical speculation. So they're referring, I guess, to the lore in this movie of Santa having to replace himself every so often. Yeah, yeah. It goes on for a while about that. Let's find out what What, they say about Ernest. What do they think about Ernest? Now, interestingly, it makes sense that they're talking about the Santa myth in this movie because Ernest really is a supporting character in this movie. Sure. He was the star... Of Ernest Goes to Camp, but in Ernest Saves Christmas, he is a supporting character. Yeah. More or less. He's a high-ranking... You could say it's an ensemble piece. Yeah. Uh, Here we go. Ernest, a bumptious, rubber-faced southerner. Bumptious? That's... Is that a real word? Uh, yes. Okay. Here we go. Bumptious. Self-assertive or proud to an irritating degree. Oh, wow. Okay. That's... That's... That is Ernest. Continue. Ernest, a bumptious, rubber-faced southerner, is himself a product of commerce. Yeah. Yeah. A character created by actor Jim Vardy for a series of regional television commercials who then moved on to the big screen for 1987's Ernest Goes to Camp. Mm -hmm. Though Ernest barely exists apart from his trademark catchphrase and his propensity for waggling his nose in wide-angle lenses... Varney's energetic mugging is good for a few mild laughs. Sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject right there. This is the second review that we've read that describes Ernest as someone who doesn't... Like, didn't someone else say, like, oh, he's, like, there but not there at the same time? Yeah. Like, this is... It's interesting. He barely exists, that's, this one says. That's fascinating. I mean, I, I guess I understand that as, like, Ernest as a film character is far more developed than Ernest the ad character. Sure. And we're just starting in the film world. Yeah, we have... The, you and I have, have the benefit the of... the benefit of... Hindsight. Nine films where Ernest is a character that we are with for over an hour. Right. But I think, honestly, that camp itself, by itself to me, did a great job of fully developing Ernest as a character. Yeah, I agree with that. And I would even say that it just fleshed out what was there, but it didn't make up new things. I agree with that too, yeah. It says, Ernest Saves Christmas casts him as the human go-between tribal priest, Grail Knight, who must bring the natural and supernatural orders into alignment. Sure, yeah, okay. Yeah. I could see Ernest as a conduit <laughs> for the supernatural into our world. Yeah, so uh, so kind of like uh, Indiana Jones, let's say. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. The bridge, he's a bridge. That's right. Uh, and only he can do it. Uh, yeah, that's it. There are complications, including an unhappy adolescent girl. Sure. Who steals Santa's bag and a team of flying reindeer locked up in the airport baggage claim. But nothing Ernest can't handle. Yeah. Yeah. I, fa- I mean... I feel yeah. like this, interesting, and it's interesting. fascinating that this review starts out as a sort of rumination on the history of the Christmas holiday, <laughs> yeah, and, and then just ends sort of very matter of factly about here are the events that happened in the film I saw. It's like, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we needed a lot of preamble to get here, and it's like, and so all of that said, Ernest saves Christmas. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So that was the Chicago Tribune. We should talk about the Washington Post. Sure. The Washington Post archived review from 1988. I will mention that uh, this is a different reviewer from the first we read. Okay, so this is not the same person. Not the same person. Who reviewed Ernest Costa Camp for the Washington Post. I think it's important 
to say that now. Got it. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think I have an inkling of where you are going with this, this qualification. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, boy. I, okay. Ernest P. Worrell, the simple-minded busybody with the Kmart orthodontics. Kmart orthodontics. Okay. It sounds to me like uh, not nice things to say about people who can't afford orthodontry. Sure. I agree with but, that. But, uh, you know. Routinely risks mandibular joint disorder to flash his famous overbite in Ernest Saves Christmas. It's interesting that they focus on his teeth. I agree he, they are he, prominent he does have 50 in his teeth. grin. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting that uh, that's the thing to start off with. The newest Disney film finds our hero, Jim Varney, filled with yuletide cheer and goofy as ever. Varney's cretinous character, part Francis the talking mule, part Minnie Pearl... Wow, they love... Okay, I got to look up who these people are. <laughs> who have... is Francis the talking mule? One second. Is there a teeth comparison to be made there? Does he? Is he just... Okay, so here's the thing. So I'm looking at Francis the talking mule. Yeah. It does seem like they're talking about the overbite. Okay. But the first thing that came up when I did a search uh, is the Wikipedia article. Francis the talking mule was a mule character who became a celebrity during the 1950s what? as the star of seven popular universal international film comedies. Ernest Analog Francis the Talking <laughs> Mule? Weird. And that, sorry, who was the other the one? 19th part Mini Pearl. Oh, wow. I'm going to guess that she's Southern. Yeah, I'm guessing. Uh, Sarah Ophelia Kali Cannon, known professionally as her stage character Minnie Pearl, was an American country comedian okay. who appeared at the Grand Ole Opry. Okay, so this is a, Ernest is a character who has teeth, stars in it comedies, is and is Southern. Okay, continue. Oh, and also part auto parts aficionado. I mean, that's just facts yeah. again. Okay. Will not disappoint fans with this antic combo of candy canes and slapstick. Ernest, as a kind-hearted cab driver, yeah. I agree, speaks malappropriately. Nice. What's that word? Malappropriately. <laughs> Trashes his invisible friend Vern's house. Yeah. Aids a runaway and helps Santa find a successor. Sure. As the twig is bent. His big redness, quote unquote, played by courtly Douglas Seal, is ready to pass the sack <laughs> to his heir apparent Joe. So this is uh, recounting the plot. Mm -hmm. All right. As you can imagine, all ends happily in this story by Ed Turner, a Maryland guy with a magna cum laude. Okay. What? He's got a specific degree. I from guess his... now we're talking about the writer? Yeah, I don't Turner harnesses all that brain power for such lines as Ernest's I'm at one with the Yuletide. Know what I mean? Then there is another, better safe than sorry. Is wait, is a better safe than sorry line something that Ernest says? No, as one cargo handler says to another. Oh, they're talking they're about just talking about the script. They're talking about Chuck and Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> Those... Opening an umbrella when Santa's famous reindeer fire. Right, 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 right. Okay. And to my knowledge, Ed Turner is not an Ernest Brain Trust member. No. So, uh, so it's fascinating that, that this person writing the review is seizing upon him as the sort of recipient of their ire, uh, ire <laughs> with regard to the script. Ernest Saves Christmas seems benign, but underlying the facade is shameless brand name dropping. A big display on Ernest's cab. Okay. Okay. FTD billboards prominently panned, Bud Light signs, and so on. It's Ernest Sells Christmas. Wow. I, I mean, I get that stuff not, is there. I, I, not really. I disagree. Yeah, it's like- I don't think Christmas needs any help selling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and again, to my memory, are any of those brands clients of Ernest's? I've never seen an Ernest Bic nah, commercial. I mean, I think it's just 
it's more like Christmas sells earnest, if anything. Yeah. It doesn't huh. it doesn't take quote unquote extrasensory perspiration. Mm-hmm. I think he says sensatory, but he does, yes. Again, she watched this movie once. Well they also said big redness instead of big red oneness. Continue. Again, yeah. And to be clear to the audience, I'm pushing up my glasses as I say this. Yeah. As Ernest would say, to realize this undertaking is dumber than jaywalking at the Indy 500. Interestingly, where Ernest was discovered. Mm. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm. I don't think they liked it. But I'm it, getting that sense. Yeah, the, this is the first I think I've seen where the perception of Ernest was harmful. And what was the harm exactly? Just that there was. It co- says it seems benign, but underline the facade is shameless brand name dropping. So. I guess I understand that in that Ernest is known as a an advertising character. He sells things, and to associate him with Christmas, it might seem to someone like that's something sacred that shouldn't be associated sure. with selling. Okay, well, <laughs> but Chris- again, Christmas, <laughs> Christmas, and commercialism have never, never been before Ernest. <laughs> yes, he was, it was definitely the first time that ever <laughs> happened. Okay. But I, but you know how the commercialization of Christmas is a sore point for a lot of people. Absolutely, yeah. Historic, traditionally, so and as yeah, we, sure. I can see that being the part of the perception of this movie for this person. And as we've said previously, their perception coming into this movie might have been, oh, Ernest is that commercial guy, and so they're immediately right. already looking. Right. Oh, there, there's a product. There's a product. There's a product. Not really. Not not that they're not giving it like a fair shot, but they're just they have there's that, an assumption. It's it's almost like a, a confirmation bias yeah. of sorts. Yeah, I'm going to look for advertising and I will find it. Exactly right. And yes. uh, but you know, I think if you look at Ernest Saves Christmas, the heart in it is sincere. Oh, for sure. I mean, and the fact that it's still so beloved to the extent that it's now on Disney Plus by oh yeah by by popular demand. I mean, I don't Ooh, know if that's why it is, but I don't even mention. Yes, yeah, it's on yeah, Disney yeah. Plus now. Oh yeah, go watch it. All right, so uh, also from 1988, another archived vintage review from The Herald. Cool. Am I going to read all The Herald ones? I mean, if you want. Hark the Herald (laughs) reviews will be read by David. Ah, brilliant. All right, here we go. The fact that Ernest Saves Christmas has opened a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving means either A, Touchstone Pictures is confident the film will play well through the holiday season, or B, Touchstone Pictures hopes the movie will make some quick money before people realize what a stinker it is and then disappear so that screens will be left open for more promising movies. I don't know which of these possibilities is true, but I'm leaning towards the latter. Like its predecessor, Ernest Goes to Camp, Saves Christmas is a ramshackle collection of gags centered on the cartoon-like character from TV ads, Ernest P. Worrell, the guy whose catchphrases are, Hey Vern, and know what I mean? As if you didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah okay they talk about da, da, da. okay i'm gonna read this paragraph okay um, right. that's because santa claus douglas seal is calling it quits and handing over the reins and reindeer to his successor but because of a series of misunderstandings santa's not going to complete the handoff unless Ernest brings santa his magic toy bag corrals the reindeer and picks up the elves at the airport and then in parentheses this is as embarrassing to write as it is to read Oh. I'm sorry you feel that way, person <laughs> from the Herald. Yeah, I mean, I guess, again, like, I'm a serious film critic. I am being made to review something that, to me, does not yeah. fit in serious film criticism. Sure, sure. And another thing that's occurring to me, just in thinking about hindsight and history, right? Mm. Like, the things that are embarrassing to a quote-unquote professional in 1988 
are sure. vastly different. Like now, basically, you can write a list of those, and it's just the entire content of a Stranger Things season. Sure, like it's <laughs> yeah. just like that. That sort of stuff is because of the the rose colored glasses of nostalgia is yeah. more, uh, more like oh delightful. Whimsy. Yes, as opposed to oh I got to write this, uh, but I'm um, supposed to be a real sound professional. Like real things that could happen. Yeah, in this <laughs> Christmas movie about Santa Claus. Anyway, I'll continue. All of this is an excuse to put the camera in regular, disturbing proximity to Varney's face, which is mm. landscaped like Colorado. I don't <gasps> know what that means. Oh, I, I don't like that. Oh, that yeah. sounds like a criticism of his... Uh, like his skin his texture? Cr- yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. All of this is an excuse to put the camera in regular, disturbing proximity to Varney's face, which is landscaped like Colorado, and let him wiggle and grimace. Huh. To be sure, this technique drew some laughter from the younger people in the preview audience who seemed to be Ernest's target crowd. Sure. Yeah. Incidentally, Ernest Saves Christmas contains an interesting social aside. When Santa tells how he can circumnavigate the globe and deliver toys in a single night, he notes that he excludes, quite naturally, those children, quote, whose cultural beliefs don't include Santa Claus. Simple Christian nonbelievers still get presents, as I understood it. I believe this is a revelation, though something tells me Ernest is probably immune to the subtlety of the distinction. Uh, why huh? would he be immune to it? Because he's dumb. I think yeah. that's what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like... If we said that to Ernest, he wouldn't know what we were talking about when we said children whose cultural... I don't know. I read it aloud, and I'm not sure I know what they're... Like, this is... A simple non... Can you say that again? Yeah, this is the end of the, re- <laughs> of the review. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. When Santa tells how he can circumnavigate the globe and deliver toys in a single night, he notes that he excludes, quite naturally, those children whose cultural beliefs don't don't include Santa Santa Claus. Yeah. Simple Christian non-believers still get presents as I understood it. Christian non-believers? Non-believers in Santa? That would be me as a child. Yeah, okay. And now. I believe I mean, I, I would think Santa wouldn't bring me a present either. But I mean... Yeah, I don't, I actually, I guess I don't know what that means. This is... A simple Christian (laughs) non-believer. But not only, not only is that confusing, but I believe this is a revelation, though something tells me Ernest is probably immune to the subtlety of the distinction. Um, What are you talking about? The revelation of like children who don't believe in Santa wouldn't wouldn't receive presents. presents from Santa. And that that helps the burden of Santa delivering presents. I think Ernest would understand that if that's the revelation. I don't know what they what they mean though. Yeah, this is. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it there because I don't have anything else to say about that. That's such a you strange. Know, Ernest is too dumb to know what I'm talking about, but you do, of course. You're reading. I absolutely do not. I'm not sure what that means, and it's a bizarre note to end on. Very strange. All right, the hometown big city paper. <laughs> Which the New York Times. New York Times. This is 1988. still Christmas. All right. November 1988 for Christmas. Ernest Saves Christmas features a credible Santa Claus live reindeer and, much less surprising, commercials embedded in the scenery. I think they're referring again to Ernest. No, I think it's I think it's the FTD florist and that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, it might be again the commercialization of Christmas being a, a talking point. Something that contrasts with the type of movie that it is, maybe more than yeah. something like. Well, there weren't any commercials in camp that I can recall. Because where yes. would you put them? Well, you mean by commercials, you mean product placement, product placement, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. The character of Ernest. Okay. A bumbling yokel, <laughs> whose vocabulary consists almost entirely of the words "Hey Vern," categorically untrue, <laughs> was born in television commercials in which he grins widely and intrudes obnoxiously on his neighbor's privacy. Yes. This part is true. 
The strategy seems to be that you'll buy whatever soft drink or car or hardware Ernest is selling. Anything just to get rid of him. That's funny, because that's how I we describe Auntie Nelda. Anything just to get rid of her. Sure, is, <laughs> sure. But sure. they're applying it to Ernest here. Uh, so now they talk about Ernest as a, as a phenomenon that's come into films. With the aplomb of breakfast cereals turned into cartoons, Ernest made loads of money with his first feature film, the unfunny slapstick Ernest Goes to Camp. The strategy for his film career seems to be that Ernest's face is familiar, and there are so few children's movies around that kids will sit through anything. Wow. <laughs> I love the idea of children being desperate for children's movies. I'll, I'll sit through anything. <laughs> yeah. Those Sorry, are... <laughs> uh, before, before you continue, something perplexed me. Children's cartoons based on breakfast, breakfast cereal? cereals. Yeah. Are there? Name me a children's cartoon based on a breakfast cereal. Let me think. Uh, Listeners, is the, are I mean, I would think of the reverse: the breakfast cereal abs- based on a cartoon. Absolutely, yeah. And I don't maybe know. they're just maybe they're just misspeaking here, but like I don't know. Maybe Ninja Turtles was a cereal first, and I was unaware <laughs> it, before I, it was I even could, a comic. Ad- uncategorically, <laughs> was not. Uh, uh, all right, so more about Ernest. Yes, interesting. Though the plot of his new film appears to concern Santa Claus, with Ernest, it's once a commercial, always a commercial. Okay. Oh, that is that is interesting. That is to me, it's like listen, Ernest is a commercial, and no matter what he does, he, he will, will remain be a commercial. A commercial. No, okay, that that makes me kind of sad. That does seem like a dedication to confirmation bias. Yeah, I don't want to overuse that term. And you but... could you could again, we're reviewing a movie, and I guess we have to review it in the context of where the character comes from. His vocab. I mean, do he... we? Um, hmm. do we? I suppose we don't. But I don't think he can escape where he comes from. In perception, no. And especially, well, especially considering how far the Ernest brand reached mm. to the to the extent that there were national news stories about yes. his uh, marketing. Um, and and I think that's probably where the his his vocabulary consists entirely of hey Vern. If you are, I mean, even based on the ads, that's not true. But but it's 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 exactly I know what this is without having seen it. Yeah. It's I have a TV. I know what this is without having seen anything in the future. He will always be a commercial. Oh, that's interesting. Even things that don't exist yet. I know what this will be without having seen it. Hmm. Without it existing. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. No, but I could see someone having the TV on in the background, cleaning their house sure. on a weekend, and it's like all you pick up is constantly Hey Vern, Hey Vern, Hey Vern. Like that makes sense to me. So it's it's a reductive way to describe. Ernest's mm. presence in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, they do talk about the product placement of the rental truck, beer sign, and a billboard advertising floral delivery service. And again, you're, if you're looking for ads, you'll find them. I But, you know, a child certainly would not register those things. Well, like, I, look at this cynical product placement. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's funny because when I think of product placement, I think of bad product placement. You think of like right in the foreground. Like, like Stranger yeah. Things uh, season three, like holding the new Coke. Like, yeah. Like that sort of thing. But I would almost feel like it it would take me out of the movie to see like to yeah. see like a fake brand. Yeah. Like the fact that it's a rider truck is like, okay, it's a rider truck. I mean there are those are things that exist, yeah. If I was gonna but rent just, a truck yeah. in nineteen eighty eight, I would probably rent a rider truck. But again, I think we are primed with Ernest because right. he's an advertising character to be looking for, for it the and ads. to be yeah. you know, guarding against it mm-hmm. or defensive against it. He says, here he is, a cab driver in Florida, where Disney, the company behind the film, just happens to have a studio. We also got some Disney, you know, (laughs) Disney bias. Yeah. 
I'll just move on. Uh, buried Among the Ads is a story about how Santa is losing buried his power. Among the That's ads. ridiculous. That is fascinating. This is perception. This is I am perceiving and my mind is weighting the presence of the ads much more heavily than the story about Santa. Even though I would say the story about Han- about Santa takes center, center stage. stage. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fascinating. It is. Uh, they <laughs> say they like Douglas Seal. Um, Who doesn't? He's wonderful. The best that can be said for the film is that it leaves Ernest behind now and then to focus on Santa. Wow, okay. Uh, Ernest also appears in disguises, proving he's even more irritating when gotten up as a snake rancher or an old woman, or when he's doing his John Wayne impersonation. (laughs) I would agree that he is more irritating as those characters on purpose. That's the idea. That's the idea of those characters. Yeah. But if you don't like it, you don't like it, I suppose. Yeah. The film's production notes, uh, they read the production notes, Say that on the set, Jim Varney, who plays Ernest, would recite scenes from Shakespeare or Harold Pinter. You might want to pay money to see Ernest do Pinter, but not his John Wayne. Uh, uh, maybe I'm not sure what he's got. Like two. This lo- uh, tangent Wayne, is about John Wayne is not one of the disguises. He's got like maybe two. He does an impersonation, but he does like two lines in like a 90 minute film. I think he says one line as John Wayne. Oh, he, oh he, two lines. Yeah. Two, so, so the idea of like that as like. I didn't big. like when Ernest did a John Wayne impression <laughs> for two seconds. <laughs> the things I mean, to seize upon are, yeah. are fascinating to yeah. me. And in the end, everyone, Ernest, the new Santa, the runaway girl Ernest saves, learns the true altruistic meaning of Christmas. Everyone except the mercenaries who made this film. All right. <laughs> uh, again, maybe some of the... The hostility mm-hmm. that we might be sensing is, in some indirect way, a defense of Christmas. Yeah. As a pure, wholesome, non-commercial source of good in the world. Unequivocally not true. But I I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, or it's, it might be a confluence of things. Sure. So that was the New York Times. Here's the Los Angeles Times. Do you want to go over this one? Okay, so this is the next one. This is... The Los on. Angeles Times. Got it. So we go from one Times to another. This is the Los Angeles... the Ange- east to the west. <laughs> Ernest. <laughs> Across the coast. <laughs> Sounds like a corporate... <laughs> Ernest and from you. From the east to the west. Together. Ernest is <laughs> dropping product placement <laughs> wherever he goes. Build your own atom storage box. Okay, here we go. Uh, da, 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 uh, oh, okay. Well, just from the title of this alone. What is it? Not even Christmas can save the new Ernest. Hmm. I'll just get right into it. Ah, TV commercials. Ah. They coerce you into buying junk you don't want. (sighs) They elect governors and presidents who you may want even less. I'm sorry, TV commercials elect governors? Yeah, when did TV commercials get the vote? That must have been... (laughs) Did they get it before women? Uh, That's what I'm trying to remember, yeah. Uh, (laughs) They elect governors and presidents who you may want even less, and they've made a superstar out of Jim Varney's Ernest P. Worrell, the rampaging motormouth Budinsky, who keeps barging (laughs) into neighbor Vern's apartment... Okay, and blabbering away, leering like a buzzard in heat, and yowling, you know what I mean. <laughs> that is... Oh, man. I, I, as much as I disagree... I mean, Vern wrote that. I, <laughs> as much as I disagree, I will, I will concede that's pretty well written. I mean, it's, again, an understandable or a valid perception of mm-hmm. ad earnest. Oh, yeah. Ad Ernest, yes. The latest feature-length dose of Ernest, directed by John Cherry, who made both the commercials and 1987's appalling hit, Ernest Goes to Camp, mm-hmm. is Ernest Saved Christmas. Cherry and Varney's comedy often suggests Jerry Lewis filtered through hee-haw and smothered in corn? <gasps> is, is that it? like is, some kind of... Is that just like, again, like Southern? Southern. We have corn here. I like it. 
Have it with some What's wrong with meat corn? and potatoes? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they mean. Okay. Um, but when this one begins, you almost breathe a sigh of relief. Oh, okay. So oh. maybe this might. Oh, this because might, this they might, like Christmas cards. This might take a turn. Yeah. Here we go. Oh no, I think I know where this is going. Ah, why do they keep starting paragraphs ah, with ah? Ah. Ah, Christmas, uh, season of charity and joy. Mm. Perhaps it hath charm to soothe the savage Ernest, or at least get him to mug a little less. Uh, it did, didn't it? The vintage Saturday well. Evening Post-style credits are charming. Mm -hmm. And the movie Santa, shown here traveling to Orlando, Florida, to appoint his substitute, I'm sure, is, is played by Douglas Seal in the sweet, whimsical, aristocratic key Edmund Gwen used for Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah. Then Ernest appears... As an insanely destructive cab driver, yeah. also a master of disguise, yeah. and a self-deluding nitwit. Uh, none of those, I none mean, of those things yeah, are incorrect. I wouldn't use the word nitwit, but I understand where. Yeah, sure. Well, that's a word that you could use. And to interject again, <laughs> we're so defensive about this. I love it. <laughs> it is a word you could use. It is yes. Uh, certain words can mean the same thing, but could have a a positive or negative bent or a connotation. Uh, yes, connotation. Thank you. That's the yeah. right uh, phrase that I was thinking of. Or um, could have a, a, a disparaging quality, I yes. suppose. Uh, but I'll continue. Uh, he smashes into luggage, rams Christmas trees into his own window, and reduces his rider to catatonia. He babbles and leers, pays a call on the unseen Vern, and wrecks his home, then manages <laughs> yeah. to lose Santa's sack. Well, I mean, Santa loses his own sack. Correct. Can Christmas be saved from this demented chaos? Climaxing with the maniacally incompetent Ernest driving Santa's sleigh? <laughs> he keeps miscalling Maniacally incompetent that's cute <laughs> he keeps miscalling lead deer blitzen blister mm. can john cherry and jim varney mute their frenzied fisheye lens slapstick down from a dull roar yes Ernest saves christmas is an improvement on Ernest goes to camp mostly because of seal but it's basically another tv ad a chestnut an roasting, ad for what i the Ernest character Ernest? i guess yeah, this one is less clear in, you know, the other ones explicitly were like, oh, there's Big Pens, oh, there's okay. uh, FTD, Ernest but this is, one is just is like... It, he is yeah. an ad, and that's what he is. That's mm -hmm. still the perception that we have. Sure. But it's basically another TV ad, a chestnut roasting on an open fire, exploding in your face every so often with another, you know what I mean. I also find it fascinating when people add you, you to yeah. the you know what I mean. So yeah, Los Angeles Times... Uh, uh, yeah, well, uh, this is it. It's weird because the ad, ad, ad criticism keeps coming up in Ernest Saves Christmas specifically. I will be curious to see if that continues into the jail reviews. I will be curious too. All okay. right. Do, do you have anything to add from the pop culture references? Oh, well, all right. So I mentioned earlier the uh, the first reference that I found was an Ernest Goes to Camp poster shown during Weekend Update with Dennis Miller. Mm hmm. Uh, that continued with the release of Ernest Saves Christmas, where, again, during Weekend Update, uh, the movie was mentioned and the poster was shown. Dennis Miller calls it one of the biblical signs that Armageddon is near. And uh, oh. that's hilarious. And really kind of, I think, sets the tone for what early Ernest references are, where they really are, oh, this is a thing that we all collectively find annoying, this Ernest thing. Mm. Um, and I guess I get that. You know, it's advertising. You're allowed to be annoyed by it. Sure. Even though we're in the film era, he's still considered advertising. I mean, if we've learned anything from the <laughs> yes. reviews that we've that just That is something read, we just learned. Which, uh, gosh, I uh, this ad character, it's so strange to me that that's what was seized upon. And I'll have to do more thinking about that. Mm. But in, in terms of the references that I've come across, not, not just from the Ernest era, but from beyond, too, it seems like primarily he comes up in talk slash sketch shows. So like late Commentary? night comic, kind of comedy kind of things. 
or sitcoms. Like those are the two main places that I see him referenced. Places to crack wise uh, you, at the expense of a poor, sweet, yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> harmless Ernest. You could say that. <laughs> but so, yeah, um, one of the other early references I found to him was in a episode of Perfect Strangers. Oh. Where uh, this is from season four. It's an episode where Balky and Cousin Larry are on an airplane and the flight attendants uh, who they're friends with get sick and they have to replace them. And mm. the passengers get more and more unruly and aggressive. Let's go get our own food. All right, all right, hold it right there. One more step and no moving. <laughs> My God, I think he means it. What is the movie anyway? Oh, it's a good one. Ernest goes to camp. Get him. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And then the passengers resume their aggressive attacking. So... It's definitely a, a clear, a <laughs> yeah. clear idea of what Ernest is. We all agree, like mm-hmm. it's shorthand for like just put insert bad movie. Right? Exactly so, right, yeah. and that insert that will, movie no one would ever want to watch. That will come up later with some <laughs> sure. of these other references. Okay. Uh, the only other thing I could find pre-jail, uh, allegedly, Alf rents Ernest goes to camp in a season three episode of Alf. Meatballs, the great outdoors. Ernest goes to camp? It's the Wilderness Trilogy. <laughs> um, it's an episode called Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Anyway, that that's there's not too much. It's it's strange that so many of them are from the 90s as well. Is it? Why? Because by the time we get to 91, the Ernest Disney films are over. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe that's the maybe that's the era of like where they're all on video on the that's shelves. That's true. Oh, and actually, that them being in uh, video store shelves is another thing that comes up in some references, and I'll get to those later. All right. So that was Ernest Saves Christmas. I was looking for reviews on Haver and It's Ernest, which was around the same time. Right. I did find uh, a 1989 story about the cancellation. Of, of Havern? Havern, it's Ernest. Or Interesting. It is from the Chicago Tribune in July of 1989. The title, I think the title might have might have been cut off because it says, Jim Varney hopes cards and letters keep pouring in to save poor. <laughs> um, maybe they might say poor Ernest, poor yeah. Ernest show. But it says, Havern, wake up. Did you hear Jim Varney won an Emmy for Outstanding Performer in a Children's Series? I have heard that. Who is Jim Varney, you say? Why, Vern, he's the star of Saturday Morning's Hey Vern, It's Ernest, one of the most original shows to grace the tube in years. Oh, oh so this is a positive, somebody has a positive feeling about this show. I like it. Reminiscent of the late 60s hit TV show, Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. Okay. Hey Vern, It's Ernest throttles forward at a fast, furious, and funny pace with Varney and the cast playing several wacko characters. Millions of Americans are familiar with Varney's offbeat backwards character, Ernest, who's become a household name in every kind of commercial from milk to auto sales. But if you haven't tuned in to Hey Vern, It's Ernest, you've missed Varney's hilarious interpretations of Sergeant Glory, the hard-nosed drill instructor, Auntie Nelda, the obnoxious neighborhood killjoy, (laughs) (laughs) and Dr. Otto, the evil mad scientist, to name a few. Hmm. Unfortunately, Vern, you might not have much longer to spend Saturday mornings clutching your sides in laughter. That fickle finger of fate has pointed its gnarly digit one more time, and CBS has taken Hey Vern, It's Ernest off the lineup for the new fall season. Interesting. Varney and his camp are hoping the Emmy... camp. (laughs) Varney and his camp are hoping the Emmy and a massive letter campaign being mounted by Ernest's 30,000 member fan club... Interesting. Okay. ...will prompt the network to reconsider. 
Hmm. This is 1989, and they said 30,000. Okay, so. so maybe... Well, I mean, these numbers could just be made up, I don't too. Know. Like, the volume number is on the newsletter. <laughs> Interestingly enough, Varney says, those fans are not your average country bumpkins. Hmm. Well, how about that? They're mostly... Profe- this is a quoting Giovanni's in quotes. Okay. They're mostly professional people. In fact, there's a huge membership in Washington, D.C. A couple of years ago, I was invited to the White House by press spokesman Larry Speaks to pull off an April Fool joke. Uh, uh, yes. This is referenced in um, the article where we uh, uh, were asked yes, to... Yes, the, the Bitter Southerner <laughs> article, uh, Know What I Mean, Ron, by yeah. Gabe Bullard. Yep. Varney continues, they called a press conference and all these reporters were there. Speaks said, as you know, the economy's been in trouble this whole year and we finally found a man we think is going to straighten out the economy for us, Mr. Ernest P. Worrell. They asked me questions like, what do you think about Gaddafi? I'd say, it was fine. I had several cups. That was fun. <laughs> Okay, so stupid. <laughs> I think I, I think I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the actual delivery sounded like, but the, the flatness with which you read that, I think, really added to the. It was fine. I had several cups. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, that's funny. Listening to Varney's mild country twang in a luxurious room of Beverly Hills Limitage Hotel. I don't know if I said that right. One gets the impression there's not much about life he doesn't find fun. Oh. I mean, what's not fun when you're in a luxurious sure. room of such a hotel? I'm just picturing he's in a silk robe at this point, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Varney started out doing stand-up comedy and got his first big break after moving to Hollywood from Nashville several years ago. We get, Yeah, he just talks about being signed with William Morris in Nashville, and then he went to Hollywood. Yeah. He says, within three months, I had a series. I was working the comedy store. And John Aston discovered me. Ah. John Aston. Gomez himself. What? That's amazing. Interesting. Huh. John Aston discovered him. Latine, Latino icon John Aston. I mean. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's a joke. I, I kid, I kid. <laughs> Varney went on to do the musical comedy series Pink Lady, The Rousters, but his beacon didn't start to shine until Nashville ad man John Cherry cast Varney as Ernest P. Worrell in 1980. Mm-hmm. Since then, he says we've done 3,000 commercials. These numbers, man. I'm going to have to make a whole separate spreadsheet to try to track the number of commercials, the number of people in the Ernest fan club. He says it's, it's got to be a world record. It's incredibly hyperbolic. Cherry also produces Hey Vernon's Ernest. It says Varney says he and Cherry are a perfect foil for each other and come up with new characters together. Okay. okay. Varney says John does his own storyboards. Then yeah. they describe what storyboards are. If I come up with a voice or something, he can visualize it, sketch it out, and draw it. It's a real advantage because we just create something almost on the spot. That's cool. Interesting that he, yeah, he talks about storyboarding as an advantage when developing characters. Sure. And we don't really get, we don't really get a lot of insight into John Cherry's sort of artistic process from a a hand-drawn sketching and pre-visualization perspective. Like we know some of it from his book. This Uh, is an interesting little article. Yeah. I did get, I did get the sense there was some flowery kind of verbiage at the beginning that made me wonder, like, oh, did Cardin and Cherry just write this? <laughs> and I'm, I'm not convinced that they didn't, but uh, it is, it is fascinating. Oh uh, well, it's by a woman, so you know she's in a hotel room. Jibarney, as I imagine, is in a silk robe. <laughs> she comes away with a very positive sure, impression of sure, the entire sure. experience. <laughs> Again, I kid. Well, uh, mostly. What I was going to say is I, one thing I notice as we read through all these reviews is there is a tendency sometimes with people reviewing earnest content 
to try to be as flowery as Ernest is, whether consciously yeah. or subconsciously. Even we try to do that in talking oh, about, I mean, 100%, absolutely. quite consciously, probably. The intros to our episodes are aiming to be that. It's wanting to, oh, it's it's tone. It's wanting to, yeah, to, match, to, the tone to match the of tone what you're of talking what you're talking about. about. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, the way they talked about the series, it seems like they were already a fan. Sure. And on top of that, they've also talked directly to Jim Varney for this article. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to have a different impression than you just, this is just a character I know from TV and I, I have to watch this movie about it. Right, right. I imagine speaking directly to Jim Varney is at least going to color your impressions somewhat. You're going to fire some different neurons yeah. after <laughs> after a conversation with the man himself. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I could see it, yeah. yeah. And it just ends, despite Ernest's commercial popularity, Jim says everyone was surprised when the 1987 Ernest Goes to Camp movie did so well. That's where this ends. I don't know if that was the uh, actual end of the article. <laughs> if the article was cut off just in the same way that the, the headline <laughs> yeah, that, was. Yeah. So that was sort of also a review of sorts of A. Ernest, Avern, yeah. and it was super positive from somebody that really enjoyed it. Some of the positivity could be also partially on account of it just won two Emmys. That's true too. Yeah, and how That's can you how can you talk down about something where you just said that it won two Emmys? Sure, sure, sure. All right, so we're going. Ernest has uh, gone to jail. Aha! Okay. Na, 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 na. And what is an Ernest? You might ask. A man with a past rich in both history and tradition. Should we punish this man? For crimes he did not commit. No, 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 no. Can't you speed things up? Okay, okay. Such a man should be set free. So these are reviews that came out at the time of the release of Ernest Goes to Jail, 1990. Ernest Goes to Jail uh, came out April 6th, 1990. And this is a review from the Miami Herald. Ernest goes to jail, should be locked up. Okay. (laughs) Again, setting the tone almost instantly. Well, you gotta. That's what a headline is. The arrival of any film featuring the character of Ernest P. Worrell, that putty-faced, Play-Doh-brained moron of adolescent mirth. Putty-faced. That's it. Keep saying that. yeah. Yeah. Is a perfect occasion to brush up one's Dorothy Parker chestnuts and scream what is perhaps her most famous phrase, what fresh hell is this? <laughs> again, well, again, I mean, you know, the hyperbolic negativity, mm-hmm. you know, this it, really, it is. it does tickle. It does tickle. And this is kind of like the <laughs> early 90s version of like the YouTuber of, yeah. you know that thing you like? Well, it sucks. And here's why. Like, yeah. I mean, it's the like, I hated this film so much. I'm going to do a takedown. This is. Uh, my review is not so much a film review as it is a comedy bit about how much pain I experienced mm-hmm. watching this piece of media. Yeah, and I yep. and and you know I I do find you know the harmless pain of there, there others can be value in that. funny. Yeah. I enjoy a, a customer review of a sugar free gummy bear as much <laughs> as the next person. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> so, these things that one's going in the show notes do amuse me yeah um but yeah i mean let's see how if it's at all fair to Ernest. yes there's there's certainly a validity to comedy bits that are reviews yeah but i'll continue Ernest goes to jail the third installment of the apparently never-ending Ernest film series 
is indeed hellish. <laughs> Number three, yeah. Though never for a moment is it fresh. <laughs> Despite the puppy dog enthusiasm of lead actor Jim Varney, oh, okay. who has made a sad career out of the hapless, nearly brain-dead character of Ernest. Oh, I, I wouldn't call him brain-dead. Director, oh, you're going to love this next part then. Okay. Director John Cherry's pathetic effort capsizes a minute or so after the opening credits roll and bobs about moribund for the remaining 81 minutes. Root Canal, by comparison, is less painful. Mm. Cinematically propelled by a cavalcade of near-terrifying close-ups, which offer a... (laughs) Sorry, which offer viewers a bird's eye view of Varney's scary black hole like nostrils. <laughs> Come on. Ernest Goes to Jail revolves around a case of a mistaken identity. They describe the plot of the movie. Okay. Is there a oh, wait? I, you know what? I would love to know before you continue reading if there's any praise given at all to the fact that Jim plays another character in this movie who's very different from Ernest. There is not praise. There is barely a mention of it. Okay. A criminal kingpin who looks exactly like Ernest and is also played by Varney. Okay. That is accurate. (laughs) As with the other Ernest films, plot and fleshed out supporting characters are thrown to the wind early on, although newcomer Barbara Bush, as love interest Charlotte, does have the odd appealing moment. (laughs) Ernest Goes to Jail is a vehicle specifically tailored to showcase the talents of Varney, a smug comic who mugs shamelessly for the camera with a face only a plastic surgeon could love or redeem. Okay, that's mean. Yeah. Uh, and if we're talking perception, which we are, mm-hmm. then I find the description of him as a smug comedian. That, I don't get that at all. To be quite interesting. Where is smug coming from exactly? Are they describing Varney as smug? Or smug? Yeah. Can you read that again? Absolutely. Ernest Goes to Jail is a vehicle specifically tailored to showcase the talents of Varney, a smug comic who mugs shamelessly for the camera with a face only a plastic surgeon could love or redeem. Well, they definitely didn't meet Jim Varney. Well, do you think, robe. I, I'm, I'm also wondering now, maybe it's... It might be the, the swagger with which he portrays Ernest. Like, I, I am say. shamelessly portraying this irritating character. Or the sort of braggadocious style of the ads. Yeah. Ad Ernest is a more <laughs> smug character. Smug, yeah, yeah, sure. Again, neither of those Ernests are Jim Varney, but no. the Jim Varney and Ernest are the same person, right? Right, guys? Where are all the listeners going? <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, his his centerpiece scene in which he imitates Bogart, Cagney, and a host of other silver screen legends. That's his centerpiece scene? Bogart, Cagney, and a host of other silver screen legends with surprising accuracy and brio is the film's one original amusing flourish and leaves one hungry for other moments of wild comic abandon that sadly never come. So, I'm sorry, a series of impressions of other actors is an original flourish? I guess. Of comic abandon? Search me, man. It's funny, like, to call, like, a reference to something else the original part of it. Yeah, that is, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that as I was reading it. You're right. Yeah. I don't, okay. <laughs> I don't get that's in, I mean it's in, and the, and the idea of that of a comedian doing an impression of somebody else that that would be original. I Isn't get, that in the like sense a that it's standard a f- thing that comedians uh, um, mm. I, 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 right. The film yeah, is the, the film is never arresting though it's arrestable. Throw it in the <laughs> clink and throw away the key. Okay. Ernest goes to jail ends almost on a happy uplifting note. <laughs> The dimwit is blown to smithereens and appears to be gone from our lives forever. But then, curses. He spirals back to earth 
grinning dumbly like an ill-carved jack-o'-lantern. Ernest <laughs> <Poor> lands. Ernest. <laughs> There's so many comments on just his face. Mm-hmm. Ernest Poor lands, Ernest. not surprisingly, with a thud, a metaphor of sorts for the mess that preceded his survival. And there you have it. <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's an entertainingly written, oh sure, uh, unfair review. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, isn't an unfair review of the movie itself? Uh, no, it's perfectly jail, valid. Jail is kind of all over the place. Yeah, it's perfectly valid. Yeah. But the descriptions of Ernest and specifically Varney, I think even the description of Ernest is it's a valid way to interpret Ernest. There's no, like, outright lies. Sure. Like, yeah. he only says, hey, Vern. <laughs> right. I feel like I you're mean, never going to let that one go. But it's all sort of disparaging remarks about his face yeah. and, well, and that they don't like him and they want him to be dead. <laughs> yeah. And that that's, you know, going back to, like, the Bill and Ted thing. Right. Yeah. This is kind of when I think of people's reactions to Ernest. This is what I think of. Sure. In, like, the critical perception of him as a phenomenon in the early 90s. Like, yeah, this absolutely. is kind of... I will say I'm glad that we're reading these all now because I agree with that perception. Yeah. And it's nice to know that they're not all that. Yeah. There are a lot of them that are that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay, I'll, uh, I'll read this one from the Chicago Tribune. Okay. 1990, April. Ernest Goes to Jail represents a hopeful thought to many who have sat through two earlier movies about Ernest P. Worrell, the long-winded bumbler invented by Adman John Cherry. Perhaps now Ernest will be put away forever. Wow, okay. So truly, Ernest Goes to Jail feels like it's feeding into the same vibe (laughs) as Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Because Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the original title, Bill and Ted Go to Hell. Yeah. Like both of those things right. feel like they're like- These are places you want them to go. Right, I wish they would stay there. We're going to really like, this is what we're going to like get one over on the audience almost. In terms of marketing? Yeah. It says, no such luck. There is good news, however. This movie, designed to appeal to children of a certain age, eight would seem to be a good guess. Sure. Relies less on Ernest's tedious, self-aggrandizing soliloquies and more on special effects and genuine plot complications. Oh, so I think that's a big positive in there. Okay, yeah, continue. I'm curious. Watching it is almost like being entertained. Instead of... (laughs) (laughs) Instead of, like, spending 88 minutes with your least favorite relative. Okay. Okay. This is almost like a movie. Okay. Um... (laughs) I'll take it. Says here we find Ernest working as a bank janitor, harboring dreams of one day becoming a clerk with the help of beautiful, sympathetic Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Despite his spectacular ineptitude, Ernest is about to realize his dream when he is summoned for jury duty. Cut to the local prison. So we're just talking about the plot, plot here. Movie. Yep. It's a busy plot, which director Cherry delivers at a measured pace. Embellished with the sort of inventive action sequences we usually associate with animated figures. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Someone's paying attention. In one, Ernest loses control of the bank's floor polisher. So he's a cartoon. Correct. Which is what they say. Which is correct. Uh, it says he becomes magnetic. He goes on a date. Uh, interesting. They talk about how cartoony the action sequences are. Okay. It says human behavior taken to cartoon extremes doesn't seem as funny in flesh and blood which may be why one youngster in a screening I attended set up with a whale upon seeing Ernest spinning in a washer. I mean, that's it is. I could see it being a disturbing image. <laughs> Instead, it feels forced, the humor strangely leaden. Is lead a magnetic metal? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a scienceman. Ernest movies would still seem to be an acquired taste. Oh, I appreciate that at least acknowledgement that sure. there's somebody that likes this. 
says, but this one affords the adult viewer a few unexpected pleasures, such as the resplendent lavender prison guard uniforms. <laughs> that's that's what's appealing to adults? <laughs> the resplendent lavender prison guard uniforms. Okay. By costume designer Sean Barry. And the <laughs> Are un- you okay? <laughs> and the unexpectedly versatile performance ah. by Jim Varney ah. as both the insufferable Ernest and the genuinely menacing Mr. Nash. There you go. Yeah. All right. So here is someone that earnestly tried to review the film right. as objectively as they could. And, it, and they or they received it with, I think, a little more, in my opinion, openness to the fact that there might be some merits in it. And I'm fascinated by the idea that, you know, something like the prison guard uniforms being so garishly colored is something we attributed to trying to downplay the scariness of it for children. Yeah. So the idea that that's appealing to adults Resplendent is lavender boggles my mind, to be honest. <laughs> the description of the Ernest Goes to Jail prison guard uniforms as resplendent, resplendent. Yeah. <laughs> it strikes me very funny. Yeah, huh. cool. You want to read the Washington Post one? Tell sure. me what they say about Ernest. Yeah. All right, Washington Post. We don't have any hints from the title because the title of this review is simply Ernest Goes to Jail. Okay. I'll begin. The good news is Ernest Goes to Jail. The bad news is he didn't get a life sentence. Jim Varney, America's most beloved huckster after the Tidy Bowl (laughs) man, no longer has a personality of his own. Huh? He only has the persona of Ernest P. Havern Worrell. He doesn't? Uh, that's what they're telling me. Sorry, Jim. You, you don't. This person from <laughs> Sorry, Washington. Barney, you don't have a personality. Anymore. <laughs> this person from the Washington Post has declared it. <laughs> okay. Uh, in his third outing, Ernest, now a bank janitor, mm-hmm. becomes a juror in a murder trial. Blah 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 blah. Okay, you guys know what happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. Varney takes this opportunity to show off his range in the dual role of the villainous Nash and mm. the kind-hearted boob. <laughs> yeah. One has the brains of a clam; the other, a gourd. But he's, I think Nash is fairly. I think they're he's, both he's fairly per- intelligent, at least. Yeah, but he, I would say Ernest is smarter than Nash. I would agree un- with that, but um, unassumingly so. Um, but he is able to prevail over himself in the end. But you knew that. I did. Like the two earlier Ernests and the Ernest TV special, Ernest Goes to Jail is directed by John Cherry, the ad man who created the character. And as hard as it is to admit it, Cherry is getting better, better, mm. at, better at making endearing and annoying pea-brained pitchman. At least this time he didn't, or the Disney company didn't, plastered the thing with advertisements for soda, beer, and ballpoint pens. They're so mad about the pens. It's bizarre. <laughs> okay. What's next for Ernest? Well, let's see. He's already gone to camp, saved Christmas, and now gone to jail. What could possibly be dumber than that? One, one might even say, what could what possibly could be, be du- stupider? <laughs> what could be dumber than dumb? Stupid. There you go. <laughs> I, am, I am baffled by the people seizing upon the Bic Pen. I, I don't think I've ever given the Bic Pen advertisement on top of Ernest's Not cab. Not a single solitary a, a thought. second thought, yeah. No. What is, I think, striking me now about this era of review is people are going, oh, he's still here making movies. There's just three of them now. Like, they're starting to understand that the Ernest movie is continuing. Right. And he is not going anywhere. Right, right. <laughs> and they're <laughs> yeah, adjusting to this new, his paradigm shift from Ernest the ad character to Ernest 
the film franchise well, I'm, character. I'm Maybe. reminded of one of the observations that our guest Dan made. I believe it was in the Ernest and Love episode where he talks about the way in which one of Nurse St. Cloud's deliveries of a line is different than it might be from a different character where she says, hi, Ernest, are you lost again? Yeah. I could see some reviewers saying, oh, hi, Ernest, you're, are you in a movie again? Whereas other viewers might say, hi, Ernest, are you in, in a movie, movie again? again? Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the distinction to make. All right. This is the New York Times, 1990. Ernest goes to jail. Okay. The headline is Ernest again. The headline. <laughs> I literally just said that. <laughs> Okay. All right. So I'm I'm not mistaken about observing this phenomenon. <laughs> the headline is Ernest again, invulnerable to life's inanimate objects. All right. Hit me. Hit me with this review. Any adult who fidgeted through the inane Ernest Goes to Camp and Ernest Saves Christmas had reason to fear the news that these children's films made truckloads of money. Mm-hmm. It was almost too painful to think about a sequel, much less wonder why Ernest had become a movie star. <laughs> That is what I said. They're starting to realize, like, oh, yeah. no, he's a movie yeah, yeah. star now. Oh, no. <laughs> this is the irritating, rubbery-mouthed character who became famous pitching appliances, mattresses, and soft drinks on television commercials by yelling, hey, Vern, at his neighbor. This, I this wonder, is oversaturation. I do wonder if the resentment that Ernest started out as an ad and then became a film franchise, I wonder if that ever at all went away or declined even a little bit. It's definitely a big, you know, between the resentment that there's these products in the movies and the resentment that Ernest, the ad character, is still making movies. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a thing where it's like, there was this guy, he was in these ads, I wanted him to go away, (laughs) and instead he became even more present, and it would not stop. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's the thing that I wanted to happen, not only did that not happen, it went to the complete other way. Yeah, I want to again say that, like... And I would like to point out, this is not my opinion. This is me in the guise of John Q. Public. I just want to say that, like, yeah, the reception of how you receive Ernest as a character... I mean, I think they're not receiving Ernest as a character. They're receiving his as as a phenomenon. Or as a product. That just will not leave. Yeah. Or this... A a cultural moment that won't end. Sure. (laughs) That is is really well put. It's completely different from how we talk about and how we analyze Ernest. We we love him as a a person, a fictional person, but a person. I mean, our our analysis begins 25 years later. Yeah. So. Yeah, we have the benefit of of not being overexposed to him. Okay, so they talk about how, you know, who Ernest was from ads. Mm -hmm. But Ernest Goes to Jail so resembles a high-spirited cartoon... I agree. Accurate. That it is likely to be more amusing to children and less painfully obnoxious for parents than its predecessors. Interesting. So we're, I'm sensing Ernest Goes to Jail trending more positively. It is a popular movie. Yeah, because they, they're like, it's so wacky that it's entertaining, I guess. It is the Ernest movie where the craziest amount of insane things happen. Well, and thinking about things we've already discussed in this conversation, right? Ernest Goes to Camp this is weird. Why is Ernest the obnoxious ad character? Mm-hmm. Why is he now sort of this like saccharine, like feel goodery character? Yeah. And then after that, it's like Christmas. Why is Christmas being besmirched with Ernest, this commercial character who brings all of his products with him? Mm-hmm. So now the fact that this is, this feels like Ernest for these people has finally reached a state where he's in a movie that is correct for the type of character they perceive yeah. him to be. Yeah, that might be. Well, this is the this is the big slapstick one. As yes. Jim Varney said in an uh, article we read in the Extra for Ernest Goes to Jail, Varney mm-hmm. said that 
that Ernest Goes to Camp was a melodrama. I think he did. And say. that uh, Ernest Saves Christmas had a lot of heart. But then this one is just, yeah, it's just jokes. Mm-hmm. And there's not much to it, right. is what he said in terms of story. That sounds familiar, yeah. And maybe there's, they do feel like this is, yeah, suitable for this character. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here you go. Here, Ernest's character is not only toned down. What? When? I don't know about that, but also split in two. It's interesting that they, I think, again, this might be perception. For some reason, they're perceiving Ernest as toned down in this movie, although I would say he is as extreme uh, again, as he always is. What I'm going to say is compared to his surroundings, sure, compared to the events that are transpiring and the gags, Ernest does not stand out in contrast to the other things happening in jail. He stands out in contrast to camp. He stands out in contrast to Christmas. Right. That is Wow, okay. Contrast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, here, Ernest's character is not only toned down, but also split in two, using the old evil twin plot, both played by Jim Varney. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it says the smartest adjustment is that Ernest Goes to Jail relies more heavily on inanimate objects and the kind of slapstick humor a five-year-old might appreciate best. Again, us- They're categor- happy for that. Uh, and us yeah. categorizing jail as the more adult film, and yet all of these reviews are like, this is the kids one. Well, it it's is- the slapstick one, and maybe that's where the association with children so is Slapstick equals children. Yeah, okay, okay. Ernest has a cartoon character's ability to defy the laws of nature and physics with no permanent damage. I think we did say that, like, jail is where this really starts. Mm -hmm. Like, now you just can't kill him. He's invulnerable. (laughs) And as much as reality was against him in camp, Mm -hmm. uh, it is really against him in jail where objects just start chasing him. Yeah. Because he's magnet. (laughs) But he's even even more at odds with the world in which he inhabits. We never really talked about this, but, like... They're like, oh, we want objects to chase Ernest, but we needed a thing to explain it. So he's right. magnetized. And, and then later they're like, no. Yeah, they just, and they rides just, again. They just chase him for no reason. They just chase him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know what you want, audience. <laughs> yeah. An out-of-control floor polisher drags him across the floor, up the walls, and dangles him upside down from the ceiling. Whenever Ernest is charged with electricity, which he is prone to be, he becomes magnetized. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, or an polarized. electrified Ernest can even fly through the air. There you go. None of this is especially inventive or handled in a more than proficient way. But the film is genial, smooth, and inoffensive. Mm. <laughs> maybe, the, not, maybe not the TV version. In the baffling world of Ernest, being able to give such backhanded praise is more than a grown-up could have hoped for. The baffling world of Ernest. That is, that's the name for Ernest's second TV series. It says it's rated PG. There are some moments when Ernest's physical jeopardy, especially his electrocution, yeah. may confuse small children. Oh, you mean the part where he's about to be executed? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting away i liked that one that was a good one i think the reviews are becoming slightly more like this is the thing that happens in the movie this Mm -hmm. is it's becoming slightly more objective they're still tinged with like the irritation right for ernest as a character but starting to be like so this is what happens in the movie it's almost like the imdb parents guide where it just describes like (laughs) here's some stuff some stuff that happens in the movie Uh, here's another uh, 1990 review. There's no paper. It's just the name of the reviewer. So, oh, okay. But it says April 18th, 1990. So that's right. when it was written. And it's just a website of this person's movie reviews. All right. Let's see what we got here. <clears throat> Ernest goes to jail. Ooh, okay. I can already see there's some interesting things happening here. Some people probably feel like Ernest should be locked up. We've heard from some of those people already. That, that's, <laughs> yes. That's my assumption. We have. Uh, but I'll confess, I think he's pretty funny. 
This latest effort isn't as good all around as the last one, Ernest Saves Christmas, Mm -hmm. but it's plenty good enough for the series fans, even if it might not win any new converts. Mm. That's fascinating from the perspective of us characterizing jail as the one to show people to be like, this is... Funny. Yeah. Mm. Ernest Goes to Jail tries something different. It lets Varney play an extended, non-Ernest character in contrast to the many cameo alternate roles he often plays. Here, he's Felix Nash, arch-criminal, as well as fumble-fingered Ernest, bank janitor. (laughs) Nash isn't exactly a comic character either, although he's just as much of a caricature as Varney's usual creations. Still, it's interesting to see Varney reign in his manic style a bit and remain worth watching. Yeah. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. Uh, We finally got somebody who really had things to say about Felix Nash as opposed to just being like, yeah, he he plays another guy. Make sure you're not late if you decide to see Ernest Goes to Jail, since one of the funniest bits occurs near the beginning as Ernest demolishes the bank while trying to vacuum it. (laughs) There's a lot of funny stuff scattered throughout the rest of the picture, too, but a darker, more sinister mood than we're used to seeing with Ernest also intrudes now and then. To his credit, though, Varney can take the edge off such subjects as incarceration, execution, and corruption (laughs) better than almost anybody. Some viewers might want to skip this latest Ernest installment, though, and hope the next is more along the sunny lines of Ernest Saves Christmas. Wow. Yeah. Well, and it, technically, it, it is. Yeah, I mean, that. Is, I would agree that it's darker sure. than the sunnier, heartwarming Ernest Saves Christmas, and yeah. also heartfelt Ernest Goes to Camp. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I think this is the difference between someone who likes Ernest. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that's too simple. It's not you like Ernest versus you dislike him, in my opinion. It's more you accept him as a character or you see him as a phenomenon that is sort of or irritating. Yeah. 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 And so if you're accepting him as a character and you know that he's a good-hearted character, right? You kind of want the films to be along the same line or you... I think it's... Yeah. You know what I mean? I get what you're saying. It's less about do you like Ernest or not and more about... Can you just take him at face value? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Without a bunch of, you know, effects and or slapstick to, yeah. to sort oh, of distract from the fact that you find his person irritating. Right, 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 right. Should hmm. I flip over to some uh, Ernest pop culture references? Yeah, that's it for uh, Ernest Goes to Jail. Well, one thing I'll say in terms of contemporary references, there's a reference to Ernest Goes to Jail in an episode of Saved by the Bell. Oh. And this, the way that this joke is framed is something that kind of reoccurs i've noticed okay Um, basically this episode is from season two it's called from nurse to worse and zach and kelly are on their way back from a date and they're talking about the movie they just went to see i had a wonderful time zach that movie really got to me you're the only one who cried when ernest went to jail (laughs) i wasn't the only one Vern was crying too (laughs) which i found cute That is cute. Yeah. Very cute. Um, This is, it's played, it's played for laughs pretty good naturedly. Yeah. As a difference from like in the Perfect Strangers reference where it's like, oh, this is like an annoying thing that people hate. This is just like, oh yeah, it's funny. The idea that they went to a movie together and they saw Ernest Goes to Jail and Kelly cried. It's funny that Kelly cried at a comedy. Yeah. That was, it was supposed to be funny. Um, But so this is literally like the opening joke to this episode. And it's a thing that I find recurring in some of the later Ernest references where it's like the idea of an Ernest joke in the cold open of an episode. Really? It's very, it's very fascinating. And it yeah. comes up a couple of times, at least in what terms of what I've found so far. Okay, interesting. Yeah. 
but it's, it's also, sort of a neutral opening point. Yeah, and and, and, I and guess. it also feels like shorthand in a different way, where it's another thing that seems recurring in some of these references is calling out to the Ernest franchise as an easy way to bring in the idea of comedy. You, sure. you know what I'm saying? Like just the the mere mention of Ernest is like an easy entry point to a joking vibe. Yes. And that's fascinating. They to saw me. comedy. Mm-hmm. She cried. Yeah. Well, this takes us into Ernest Scared Stupid, 1991. Uh, Let's go to the Washington Post. Okay. This came out in October of 1991. Okay, Ernest Scared Stupid. Mm Mm-hmm. Will, nobody home. I guess they're out robbing graves or biting the heads off chickens or whatever's in voodoo vogue. Get off of my property! What are you doing here? Ma'am, I'm just here to pick up all this garbage. Got no garbage here. Only the expressions of the soul. They simply don't come any slower than Ernest P. Worrell. The global village idiot created 2,000 commercials, two TV shows, and three movies ago by actor Jim Varney. What was the second TV show? It was uh, Hey Vern, It's My Family album, probably. I guess. Yet the goodly simpleton apparently still has the IQ points to lose in the redundantly titled... Ernest Scared Stupid. By the way, guys, I'm an inventor. Continue. (laughs) Alongside this silly kitty Halloween comedy, reruns of Hee Haw seem works of great comic sophistication. I can't confirm or deny that. I don't, yeah, I don't. Wasn't Jim on Hee Haw as Ernest? (laughs) Yeah. So what are you talking about? (laughs) Again, they're putting that as a point of reference where that would never be seen as sophisticated. And so we're comparing it to it disparagingly. This this comedy featuring a Southern character is dumber than this other... Comedy, Comedy featuring, featuring Southern, Southern characters. characters. All right, sure. Since we last met, Ernest has become a trash collector in bucolic Briarville, Missouri, where Trantor the Terrible Troll has been bound in the roots of an oak tree for 200 years, Earth the Kids, blah, blah, blah. Ernest, who is helping three exccruciatingly wooden child actors build a treehouse. It's funny because the child actors I, I do get turned into there. wood. Yeah. Uh, so this is a, recounting the plot. The troll is slimy. Ernest is quoted as saying, somebody with a runny nose is going to die. Somebody with a runny nose is going to die, says Ernest, as he a trolling goes. <laughs> is this just the IMDb parents guide again? Here's, here's a... <laughs> yeah, no, it's just a recap of the things happening. A bulleted in the movie. list of what happens in this film. I mean, sometimes that's the film review uh, sure. formula is uh, start with my opinion. Here's a summary of the... The events that transpire. The movie, and then uh, my opinion again. Yeah. It's the fourth grade book report. Yeah. <laughs> Like all the other Ernests, this one is directed by John Cherry, the Tennessee advertising executive who invented this Nouveau Gomer pile in the first place. Nouveau Gomer Nouveau pile. Nouveau Gomer pile. Okay. Cherry is the pits as a movie maker, but he recognizes the importance of there being an Ernest, a new spin on the classic phrase. Sure. <laughs> a goober or a mini pearl, even if most of us don't. Ah, there's mini pearl again, right? He recognizes the importance of there being an Ernest, a goober or a mini pearl even if most of us don't. Okay, and does this person go on to elucidate? That's the end. Oh, Ernest Scared Stupid is rated PG for excessive troll slime. I feel like That's it. Well, some, of these, um, <sighs> some of these reviews are ending very abruptly. They state a thing, and then it's like, well, I have follow-up questions, and the reviewer <laughs> yeah. is already like walking out the door like, sorry. I do, I do love go. the – I mean, it's interesting there that they did make the assumption that most of us don't see the point mm-hmm. of there being an earnest. Sure. Which is an assumption. I don't know that that's true, but it's, it is their understanding of the general perception of it. At Ernest. least thirty to 50,000 people would disagree, but... Here's one from the Austin Chronicle in October of 1991. Do you want to take it? Sure. 
Take it. This is exactly where I imagined this was going. Ernest Scared Stupid Review. What's this with Ernest P. Worrell and the holidays? <laughs> I love almost, that verse. Almost like, becoming... Now a, he's an ad character. Oh, man, now he's still in movies. Now he's in holiday movies. Yeah, something vaguely Seinfeldian about this. First, there was Ernest Saves Christmas, and now Ernest Scared Stupid, just in time for Halloween. What next? Ernest at Plymouth Rock? Or Ernest Sees His Shadow? Where does it end, David? <laughs> <laughs> Probably the only TV commercial character to translate to the movie screen. Mm. The dumb but earnest Ernest is, like Pee Wee Herman, mm-hmm. trapped in a perpetual state of pre-adolescence. Okay. In this movie? Uh, yeah, kind of, sure. Yeah. He's treated like a child, well, certainly. Uh, the, he's the baby, he's he the boy. A child. That's right. We need a child's heart. <laughs> Unlike Pee-wee, however, there's no baby boomer point of reference by which to explain his success. Hmm. Indeed, the hippest thing about Ernest may be that he's so unhip. That's an interesting observation. And we've talked and about I think- similar things before where we talked about like the idea of not even trying to be cool. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that he is he's so sincere that there's no detached Oh, like, uh, like ironic cold, aloofness? Ironic, yeah, 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 yeah. Distance to it. It's just earnestly earnest. I like sincere. that. Sincere. There also may be a class thing differentiating the two. Pee-wee appeals Yeah, okay. Here's another, I think, that you apt said. observation. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I like how all the things we recognize as apt observations are just people who things agree that, with things we, that we <laughs> Well, <laughs> This is very on point because yeah, I, I, <laughs> I said the same thing in s- episode 17. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Pee-wee appeals to yuppies reflecting upon their childhoods, while Ernest appeals to a middle class simply appreciative of some good, clean, fun? Question mark? I mean, I don't disagree. In Ernest Scared Stupid, the rubber-faced one breaks a century-old spell and unleashes a giant troll. He's pretty short yeah. to my memory, but sure. Uh, a giant troll upon the unsuspecting town of Briarville, Missouri. The movie is good for two or three laughs for adults who will find it surprisingly bearable. Kids will undoubtedly relish... <laughs> I love how anytime there's anything good about Ernest in these reviews, it's, the it's trend like a, is that, a oh, black, surprise. Like a, a backhanded compliment, yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, this didn't suck as much as I expected. Um, kids will undoubtedly relish Ernest's stupid shenanigans more. The ever-shameless Varney also appears as other characters, although their appearances are all too brief and have no seeming relationship to this movie. Yeah. Highlights of Ernest Scared Stupid include a dog shifting a truck into reverse... Yeah. And the irrepressible Kit as a local eccentric who helps Ernest save the day from eternal trolldom. Although the scares in this movie are minimal, Ernest Scared Stupid nonetheless offers the frightening prospect of yet another installment of the Big E's misguided antics. Any bets as to what it'll be? How about Yankee Doodle Ernest? Or maybe Ernest's Arbor Day Adventure? It's anybody's <laughs> demented guess. Well, now people are starting to speculate about unmade Ernests or Ernests right. that could be yeah. made, so... I think he's solidified himself as like, I'm not going nowhere. I am a movie <laughs> well, and character and I shall continue to be. And they're picking up on the genre jumping as well. Yes. They're like, they, okay. Yes, yeah. yes, you're right. Now they have picked up on Ernest's pattern of yes. genre jumping. I understand the formula that you are yeah. employing in this Well, you, you need at least three to establish a pattern. That's right. So it's weird because it's taking a similar shape to our understanding of Ernest, but with a negative mm. tinge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I see where this is going, as opposed to... And I hate it. Oh, I see where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. 
I see where this is going. Cool. I see where this is going. Ugh. <laughs> uh, that was the Austin Chronicle, right? How about the Los Angeles Times? Sure. Okay. The Times. <laughs> Over the years, the movies have made precious little use of the distinctive talents of Eartha Kitt. Sure. But adults who accompany children to Ernest Scared Stupid, Disney's silly Halloween kitty horror comedy, can be grateful for her stylish, witty presence. Sure. Yeah, she's great. Mm. And it talks more about Eartha Kitt. <laughs> it's just she's uh, fitted out in a fright wig. Mm. Lady Hackmore, long considered the town eccentric in the bucolic burg of Barville. She's the one person to grasp what's going on when the children start disappearing. It seems that Ernest, the goofy nitwit created by comedian Jim Varney in TV commercials and three previous Ernest movies, has inadvertently unearthed a troll, buried alive 200 years earlier. I like how this review frames her as like the main character of the movie who discovers Ernest's plot <laughs> to unearth the troll. I, I mean, mean, just from the way that the review itself is structured, yeah, yeah. you might take that. <laughs> she is the only one who transcends all of the time periods of the movies, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, the, she does movie, appear before movie. Ernest. Right. Uh... There is really not much to be said about Ernest here. It just says... Is that uh, you saying that? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's me saying that. They didn't yeah. say much about Ernest. Ernest Scared Stupid, rightly rated PG rather than G, is perfectly okay for 12-year-olds, but could give nightmares to the very young and impressionable. Sure. But really not much about Ernest at all other than that, yeah, he was a, an ad character that turned into a movie character. I mean, I guess if you know the Ernest series, you kind of... You don't need to know. We don't sure. need to explain. So here's the other thing besides Ernest yes. that's in the movie, and I like it. So, mm -hmm. hey... Uh, there's one here from the Hartford Current. Do you want to take it? Sure. October 1991. A spooky, spooky year. year. All right. The Hartford Current. Ernest's scared stupid. Or maybe just plain stupid. Tee-hee, mm -hmm. tee-hee. I added those for effect. Sometimes it is said the most damning review is just to recite the plot. Well, there you go. Well, I mean, this I'm is not... what we've just been observing. <laughs> that Yeah. <laughs> sure. Every once in a while, just the title does the trick. Consider Ernest <laughs> Scared Stupid. Any silly idea that the sagas of the hickish idiot savant have been mm. slowly improving since the release of the excruciating Ernest Goes to Camp are mashed under the big feet of the marauding rubber monsters loosed at the oozing... This is a long wow. sentence. Wow, keeps going. The oozing, unamusing... Oh, I like that. The oozing, unamusing climax of this new collaboration between... Director John Cherry and his star Jim Varney. I, I think this is, is an incredibly the first long mention I've heard of Ernest being an idiot savant, which I think is closer, at least, to our consideration of Ernest as an actual genius. Yes, <laughs> we say genius; they say idiot savant. Yeah, it's a similar observation, at least, but uh, negatively tinged, disparagingly which is so. consistent which, yeah. with what we have seen in these reviews. Except for its mildly droll credits and a few diverting shticks by the talented but wasted star, Ernest Scared Stupid is close to unendurable. Erin's oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <Aaron's> face. <laughs> Making a Halloween comedy for kids, even one centering on a loser rube like Ernest, is a welcome oh. idea. But thanks to their incessant okay. brainwashings by network and local television... Oh, well, oh. somebody better think about the children here. Uh, <laughs> their brainwashings by network and local television, cable, VCRs, etc. Mop Moppet moviegoers are a cinematically sophisticated lot these days. Oh, I see. Unless they are quite stupid or terribly suggestible... What? Ernest is unlikely to scare them. Ernest scared stupid, that is. Is unlikely to scare them? Yeah. So this movie won't scare a child unless that child is stupid? 
That seems to be the the proposed uh, concept by <laughs> okay. this person, yes. As for humor, the big laugh at a Saturday morning kitty preview whooped up when a bird whitely bespattered poor Ernest's upturned face. I a don't... bird pooped on Ernest's face. That happened in the movie? I don't yeah. remember that. When he looks up, he's like, this is nice. He looks looking yes, for a tree. Yes, 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 It yes. is the grossest part of the movie. Um... And not, not like, not a memorable gag no. to any degree. I'll continue, though. The dummy's new adventure centers on the return of a monster that long ago menaced the pilgrim fathers and mothers of a colonial town. A mob of early settlers rejoices as their minister leader plants their chained, thrashing nemesis. Okay, we get the idea. Yeah, da, 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 da. The plot. The fire and brimstone type is emoted quite effectively by that man of many faces, Varney. Hmm. It's a Lovecraftian idea, this subhuman monster sunk deep into the bowels of the earth. Here it's played for dumb yucks as brainless but hyperverbal Ernest inadvertently frees the slimy rubberoid Trantor. Okay, keep the thing. Da, da, da. Cherry's clumsy story, cobbled up with one Coke Sam's, proceeds under his oafish direction without suspense <laughs> oh, or surprises. Oafish direct? I've genuinely never heard a, someone's direction of a movie be referred to as oafish I don't, yeah, until I now. Either. Is that an extension of Ernest as an oaf? And like, I think it, I feel like whoever it is. directed his movie also must be I was an oaf. Gonna just say that, yep. That's, yep. yeah, wow. This is honestly a lot meaner spirited. Sorry, listeners. This yeah, is, I we, apologize if, if we have to do this for, the, yeah. for the, the thoroughness of our dissection. We don't like it any more than you do. <laughs> in any case, there's no food for thought in this tasteless cherry fizz. Rated PG, this film contains some impolite talk, the avian bathroom humor, and a few moments that may frighten very timid little children. Or very cetera, stupid little children that was previously established. Yeah, okay. Okay, so... <laughs> so there's that. Uh, one more for Ernest Scared Stupid. Okay. Oh, interestingly, this is where I started to find TV Guide reviews. Ah. So TV Guide says, Clumsy, well-meaning Ernest unwittingly awakens a troll, unleashing it in a small town on Halloween. The audience at which Ernest Scared Stupid is aimed, prepubescence everywhere, is the age group most likely to be adversely affected by it. <laughs> Okay. Interesting. Ernest P. Worrell, a small-town garbage collector and resident moron, is always getting himself into one mess or another, and the day he decides to build a treehouse for the neighborhood children is no exception. He accidentally unearths a troll. Okay, and we talk about Oli Hackmore. While some kids may get a kick out of Ernest Scared Stupid, most adults will wonder why this asinine film, directed by John Cherry from a screenplay by Charlie Gale and Coke Sams, was ever made. As silly as it is... Comedian Jim Varney, star of innumerable TV commercials, as well as the prior Ernest Goes to Camp, Ernest Saves Christmas, and Ernest Goes to Jail, displays genuine, if intermittent, talent. Okay. <laughs> Another very backhanded compliment sure. to call someone you talent, know what? genuine, but intermittent. Sometimes you're not terrible. The begrudging, I think it's the begrudging, I'll like, ad- I'll admit like it. yeah, compliments that are interesting. The one highlight occurs during a couple of brief montage sequences which feature Varney mimicking a variety of cartoonish characters. Yeah. These few moments are actually funny, but prove to be the only amusing moments in the film. This reminds me of the other review where they found Ernest doing a bunch of impressions in jail to be the highlight the of highlight, jail. Yeah. Which is like... I guess if you just like, like impressions. impressions. Yeah. <laughs> it's, to right. me, they... I don't know. I'd, okay. <laughs> it's... Okay. Well, that ends the Disney era, actually. Oh, so that's so now scared we're, stupid. Okay. Now, that was scared stupid. So uh, let's just jump to 1993. 
Before we jump to 1993, I'll just bring up a couple more references in pop culture. Apparently, there are a lot of references to Ernest in the TV series Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Okay. Which in and of itself is kind of the more successful version of a Ferris Bueller TV show than the actual Ferris Bueller TV show. (laughs) Sure. But I digress. Yeah, and it's just, it's been a while since I've seen episodes of that show, but I guess there's a video store. Oh, maybe his dad works at a video store. There's an episode where Parker says, just what I need, a whole day of rewinding copies of Ernest Goes to Camp. Um, Parker's dad says that he spent three hours today installing the Ernest Goes to Camp standee at Mondo Video. And Parker's dad tells him that he has met Ernest, the guy who's always going to prison or camp. So it just seems like a a very bizarre... Just references. Ernest is a thing. And maybe it's just because there is the video store element that Ernest keeps coming up. And I feel like this is the highest, going towards the highest that we get in terms of the Ernest sort of cultural vitriol, I suppose. You think? Um, there's an episode that I saw of uh, the sitcom Designing Women that has a earnest reference. Let's hear it. Um, the main character who's played by Annie Potts is dating basically a male model who is not very intelligent, who's played by Patrick Warburton. Okay. Oh, yeah, I always shorten people's names. Just sort of a hobby. Really? Well, my name's BJ. What would you call me? Uh, B? <laughs> or uh, maybe J? And his favorite movie is Ernest Goes to Camp. And that's played in... Right. He's so dumb that his favorite movie is Ernest Goes to Camp. Yes. Played in contrast to Annie Potts' character, whose favorite movie is Casablanca. So they're doing like, oh, let's let's do a movie night where we like watch each other's favorite movies. It's it's an interesting double feature. It is. I mean, I I think that's fine. Yeah. This So 1993, where we're about to, to travel to, is really kind of... I'm I'm starting to see a lot. That's where we get the Beavis and Butthead reference uh, to Ernest. I where people, he yeah, now he's a, a film character, and maybe the Ern- oversaturation is even more absolutely pronounced. Or Ernest goes somewhere cheap. Ernest at, on fatigue the, on the has set in, yeah, in yeah. full force. So it's it starts to be this thing that really kind of is at the forefront of like cultural references. All right, so um, let's go to Ernest Rides Again, 1993. Sure. And this definitely is the start of the downswing, or what you say? Well, the, it's, it's the last... Uh, it's the last theatrical, theatrical release. Ernest yeah. release, and it is the first independent one. Yes. So moving on. Ernest, don't! Please, look, consider the ramifications! We don't have any ramifications. All we have is this cannon. The jewels! You'll destroy the jewels! Goliath must speak! Uh, the Washington Post at this point just does a capsule review, not a sort of full, you know. So like a, like a blurb kind of? It's a shorter review. It says, apart from some amusing lines in the title song, he's nimble, quick, and brawny, his skin is smooth and tawny, not merely, not really. This fifth in the Ernest P. Worrell oeuvre. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, they got it right. <laughs> Starring Jim Varney is pretty forgettable, even for an Ernest movie. Okay, it says that Varney replays his modest array of pucker-faced expressions, accents from British epic movies, slapstick punishment, and kindergarten puns. I'm one of the new boys on the hood, he says as he clings road warrior-like to a speeding truck. I mean, just them recounting it is funny. Yeah. Ernest has been funny before, but this time he's just a guy with a big nose. Okay. And they mentioned Mr. Bill Goes to Washington, which is the short that preceded it. But like its eponymous victim hero, the movie spends most of its time squashed and flat, the putty equivalent of roadkill area theaters. Interesting how they say Ernest has been funny before, but this one is forgettable. Like as if they they liked those other Ernest movies that have been described as like the worst thing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
but now this one is not as funny. Right. And gosh, based on what we've already heard, what does that what does that say about their opinion? Uh, I honestly wondered if that was going to happen. Mm. If as we got more into the independent films, it was going to start trending towards Ernest movies aren't as good as they used to be. <laughs> Even sure. though they've been discussed as the worst movies imaginable, right? Which is Boy, uh, the series really went downhill after <laughs> after yeah. Ernest got scared. <laughs> uh, oh man! Well, you check out the Austin Chronicle. Okay, I will read and- the chronicles of Ernest Rides again. <sighs> All right, I, I am so I am sorry, listeners. I really this, am too because this, this is, is kind of a bummer, and I this is the last thing on earth I want to be for anybody. Regards right. to Ernest. but we really have to. Ernest we have is to... so wonderful, and it hurts to see him treated like this. Yes. All right, Austin Chronicle. Yeah. This is the second time in as many weeks I've seen a sub awful movie in an otherwise deserted theater, and the experience is beginning to grow on me. No stranger to private screenings myself. It's another matter entirely when you attend on a regular weeknight with the expectation of being surrounded by scores of other moviegoers, only to find yourself, mercifully, alone. Oh. I take this as a sign that it's okay to stretch out and yammer back at the less-than-witty dialogue coming from the screen. It's quite fun, actually. This fifth entry into the seemingly endless Ernest series... (laughs) Once again finds the talented Jim Varney, okay. more recently seen as Jed Clampett in Penelope Spheris' reworking of the Beverly Hillbillies, mm-hmm. mining the same comedic territory he's been plowing through for the last decade. As semi-lovable hick Ernest P. Worrell, semi-lovable. Jim Varney's shtick consists of sophomoric slapstick and extremely broad mugging, and not much else. Mm-hmm. Here you go, Aaron. <laughs> okay. Other Ernest outings, most notably Ernest Saves Christmas had an undeniably goofy good-naturedness that tended to compensate, if only slightly, for the film's less-than-linear plotline. <laughs> Sorry. I knew it. Ernest used to be good. No, I'm, I'm just saying this now. No. Uh, uh, had an undeniably goofy good-naturedness that tended to compensate, if only slightly, for the film's less-than-linear plotline, yeah. something which is noticeably absent here. Okay. Da, da, da. They talk about the plot of the movie. Uh, unfortunately, this kind of sledgehammer comedy has worn thin over the many years since Max Sennett first hit on it. Likewise, the whole notion of Ernest, who comes off as an outdated mid-80s anomaly, an occasionally amusing TV huckster whose rightful place should be buried deep within our collective unconsciousness, not in our movie theaters. Know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> oh. So it's I think, certainly I think, an opinion. I think what this author is trying to say is our podcast should not exist um, because we should all be burying the, the very <laughs> We have idea. unearthed, much like a, right. a giant cannon, <laughs> we have unearthed this, <laughs> this, uh, this relic, Ernest P. Worrell. But he has jewels inside him, David. That's true. Just oh, like ah, Goliath the cannon, jewels inside. <laughs> see what he did. There's crown jewels in them, they're cannons. Oh, man. <laughs> Okay, I feel sort of like <laughs> smart guessing that people were going to start saying, hey, these aren't as good as they used to be. Yeah. <laughs> but also... This uh, ain't your daddy's Ernest movie. <laughs> but also, um, poor Ernest. Yes. <laughs> I mean, again, they are reviewing a movie, and so uh, valid, you know, as in terms of the film, I just... It gets directed into hate towards Ernest himself. And right. That, like, I'm okay with the films being hated, but not my, not and Ernest. Not, not your Ernie. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, oh, interesting. 
Okay, how about the New York Times? Okay, what does the New York Times have to say? Our hometown <laughs> paper yet again. Oh yeah, yeah. Our hometown paper, which neither the of us New York Times. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I get emails from the New York Times every day. But... I get sent links that have a paywall that I don't. All right, go so by. um, okay, the New York Times, mm-hmm. nineteen ninety-three. This is November. Okay, he is Jerry Lewis with rubber lips. Don Knotts as a plucky yokel. Luke Costello with a knack for mimicry. Okay. Analogs. All right. As long as zany situations can be dreamed up to entangle Jim Varney's character, Ernest P. Worrell, with inanimate objects that have a will of their own, Mm -hmm. there can be no end to the popular Ernest series. I suppose that's true. In Ernest Rides Again, Mr. Varney is pursued by a power tool, gets his head stuck in the barrel of a cannon and dons the crown of Britain, only to have it fit on his head so tightly that even a cranial saw can't remove it. You know, sometimes reciting the plot, they said, <laughs> is, is the most damning review. That's that true. Person. Sometimes it's just so funny that it makes me appreciate the comedy inherent in this narrative. Okay. That was all amusing to me. <laughs> in the movie's most extended gag, with the way where he writes a cannon, yeah. Ernest, his head unstuck, Rides the cannon over the fields and roads of Virginia as it coasts out of control, <laughs> squashing everything that's bad. <laughs> yeah. Good memories. This is honestly bringing yeah. up for me. <laughs> I mean, all of this happens in the movie. Uh, okay. It's the fifth movie in the Ernest series, which finds the character bumping up against a cast of slapstick fools who are as unpredictable as the objects that seem to take on a life of their own whenever Ernest is around. Talks about Abner. Talks about Linda Cash. Mm. Nan. The mighty work boys, everyone's here. They took enough interest in all the characters to describe who they were. It ends the movie, which was directed by John R. Cherry 3D, the third, <laughs> <laughs> knows its audience, which is roughly between the ages of 5 and 13, and enjoys inane, goofy slapstick that seldom lets up. I would say that is really not that negative of a review. It's uh, barely a review. It's just yeah, sort, it's just of, sort of a some book stuff report. That <laughs> yes, yes, it is a book report. See me after class. Yeah, I, I appreciate it as it was not unnecessarily mean. Right, there was no, you could not feel the yeah. bile. <laughs> yeah. How about the Los Angeles Times? How about it? How about you? 1993. It is downright scary to realize that Ernest Rides Again at selected theaters is the fifth in a series of comedies starring yeah. Jim Varney as Ernest P. Power Tools, Worrell. That zany weirdo that Varney created as a TV pitchman back in 1980. The humor in this film is so elementary, so numbskull, it defies description or extended discussion. (laughs) No, it doesn't, as we have proven. It's hard to believe anyone over age five would be amused by Ernest's goofy shenanigans. It's a lack of imagination. But clearly the guy who has some 2,000 commercials to his credit has a following somewhat older. Apparently, John R. Cherry III, the film's director and co-writer with William Akers, must know what he's doing, appalling as that might seem. They explain the plot of the movie, as most of these do. Varney probably deserves some credit for throwing himself so wholeheartedly into playing the geeky, rubber-faced Ernest. It's quite a contrast to the weedy charm Varney exudes as Jed Clampett in the new big-screen version of The Beverly Hillbillies. Interesting that it's another point of comparison that's like, oh, wait, I saw him in this other movie where he wasn't earnest. He might be an actor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A film, incidentally, which shows how much fun cornball humor can be when it's done with an affectionate wit and sophistication. 
Okay, so it turned into review for oh, the Beverly for Hillbillies, <laughs> but that's, that's cool. Okay. Okay. Uh, I love that it says Varney probably deserves some credit. That does I'll, not I'll think about proceed it. Let me, to let give me, it to let him. Let me sleep on it. <laughs> uh, we'll get, maybe I'll get back to you yeah, for the we'll next Ernest movie, and we'll, uh, we'll maybe give him some credit. Yeah. There's the Deseret News. So we're in Utah. Okay. It's been a couple of years since Ernest Scared Stupid, so you may have forgotten just how grating and irritating Jim Varney's incessant mugging as Ernest P. Worrell can be. Sad face. If that's the case, Did they write a sad face? <laughs> no, I wrote... I did a sad face. Oh, okay, okay. If that's the case, here's Ernest Rides Again to remind you. And if you think a 30-second Cremo Weber commercial with Ernest tormenting the Invisible Vern can send you up the wall, try sitting through a 90-minute movie. I wonder if this is the first time They've this person seen has seen an Ernest movie? Movie. I suppose so. <laughs> it's that they like the song um, that starts at the beginning, which I, is a very good a song. Strong opening, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, and then they describe the plot. Ernest is on a cannon. The result is a series of very long chases with Ernest stuck inside the cannon, then on top of it. Uh, the true. irritations are compounded. <laughs> it says at the end of the film, the irritations are compounded. As we see a shameless plug for the next Ernest film. Oh, that's right. Ernest goes to school, scheduled for release in August of 94. All right. So it's at that point. We've got a year to give Ernest credit. Or sorry, to give Jim Varney credit <laughs> for his whatever we were giving credit Oh, that's for. interesting. That did sound like the first time that person had seen an Ernest movie. They're I like, suppose so, This yeah. is for the commercials. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's 1993. Buddy, where, Come you, up, where, where have, have you been? been? All right, uh, uh, just, uh, I'll just read this thing from the TV Guide okay. quickly. The fifth Ernest film in seven years. This is the first without Disney's major studio muscle behind it, and it shows. Okay, are you trying to say that it's not as good as the ones with Disney behind it? I'm just pointing to the pattern that I called out of people now saying that, it that it's not yes, as good as it used to be. That's right. I'm just You know, saying. back in my day, the, the Ernest films really had some some cinematographic quality behind them. And now I don't know I wonder what these are riding again and going to school and all that. Uh, There's a janitor at fictitious Southern J. Quentin University, Ernest P. Power Tools, Worrell, lives in his own Indiana Jones fantasy world of someday finding a valuable antiquity and becoming rich and famous. Talks That's right. I forgot Abner. it's still explicitly Indiana Jones yeah. in this one. Yes. And not Illinois Smith. <laughs> yeah, Indiana Worrell. So um, they just recounts the plot. Ernest outwits them all. Mm. With Adner's help, it says. With Adner's help, Ernest outwits the British Secret Service, the Nan. A third thing? With even less plot and cheaper production values than usual, this is comedy for catatonics that will bore even fans of past entries in the series. Uh, they talk about the canon. Oh, I mean, oh they, they I, called this out Apparently, the budget was so pinched that the cannon, which never looks very convincing, was about the only major prop the producers could afford, aside from Ernest, who seems to have developed a potentially interesting jaded streak. Mm. I would probably be dead if I weren't this close to being a cartoon, he mutters, after one of the many slapstick assaults he endures, holding his thumb and index finger very close together. Okay, so they did, they picked up He's on becoming more self-aware. self-awareness, yeah. yeah. In fact, Varney's energetic, uninhibited performances as Ernest have been about all that's held this woeful series together over the years. Okay, props to Jim. He is not without genuine talent. Sure. Proven there most recently when he drew more than a few favorable reviews filling for it. Yep. <laughs> filling yep. Chet Clampett's shoes in the Beverly Hillbillies. There you go. I was waiting for it. 
I knew it was coming. <laughs> so this this, this is the new thing. As Jed Clampett really did uh, help sort of jostle yeah. people out of this perception of Jim as only able to play Ernest. Say he's pretty good. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating. <laughs> Which was the intention. And it's fascinating uh, you know? because of how much they had to go through to get him to be the one yeah. cast. That's. I mean, it, I oh, suppose it did Jim. the trick, yeah. Uh, see our episode 18, the Jim Varney edition. Oh, yes, oh, yes. The question is why he continues his enslavement to the dunderheaded Ernest, who outside the films can still be found all over late-night TV hawking everything under the sun. Yeah, for more discussion on that, again, see episode 18 yep. of this podcast, the Jim Varney edition. Folks got to make a living. <laughs> and you know, it's funny that you say that because it's like, we can't see this guy as anything other than Ernest. Finally, he was cast in this other thing where he's not Ernest. Yeah. Why doesn't he play people who aren't Ernest more? And it's like, well, you just <laughs> right. answered well, your you, own question. You didn't. Yeah, you couldn't see yes. him as anyone yes. but Ernest before. So why doesn't he get cast? And, he because, was, and yeah. that was bad. He was un, He was unbearable. Yeah. He was unbearable. <laughs> these Previously. Are the, these are their words, not ours. <laughs> but now he's so talented. Why does he keep doing this? Sure. Uh, and, you know, I suppose yeah. Beverly Hillbillies is really like a turning point in yeah. some ways where it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. He can play this sort of like softer. For per- for the perception of him exactly as an actor. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was this, this more genteel. You know, maybe that's another thing for the extra. Maybe we can find some reviews of his performance in Beverly Hillbillies. That, that, might, be that might be yeah. Because uh, I would be curious to see. I, I can't imagine that it's not an opposite thing, right? Mm. Where it's like, I can't imagine that those reviews are not comparing him to, to Ernest. Ernest when yeah, they do you're right. Talk about him. Ernest is going to make appearances in those reviews. In those reviews, yeah. Okay. Ah, and it also says in the past big screen efforts, Varney's had solid support from character veterans such as John Vernon, Charles Napier, Randall Tex Cobb. So again, previously they had better actors. It's better before. Right. Right. <laughs> Oh, it says a low budget is no excuse for sheer lack of inventiveness and originality that has hobbled the series in general and this latest and least entry in particular. So, wow, okay, as good as the others. Ernest used to be something, man. (laughs) Well, we're now we're in the direct to video era, right? That was the last theatrical release, Mm -hmm. and the reviews get fewer and farther between. Got it. Uh, I've only got a few for Ernest Goes to School, I've got a now entertainment weekly. Oh. We're just entertainment reviewed it. (laughs) The Radio Times at this point starts to review Ernest movies, which is- Interesting. Interesting. Maybe as a direct response to Ernest Trines again. Mm. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's not why. The Radio (laughs) Times is a British paper for those aware. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's a British paper. So I'm like, why are they now- Your joke, upon reflection, your joke now makes sense. (laughs) I understand. So um, I'll hit our entertainment first. Ernest goes to school. December 1994. Strap him in, puppy. All these parts may not even be necessary, Ernest. But that's what being a mental pioneer is all about, isn't it? Are you ready, Ernest? Well, actually, I am having some seconds. I don't know why movie critics used to foam at the mouth at the mere mention of Jim Varney. As a purveyor of genial hickish slapstick, he's harmless enough. In any case, they don't have to kick him around anymore, because Ernest Goes to School is a straight-to-video concoction, meaning it's even cheesier than his previous films. I mean, that's interesting. Now, you don't have old Ernest this, to kick around anymore. <laughs> at this point, we're now there. Now we're reviewing movie critics who reviewed Ernest films. Oh my goodness! Saying they used- I can't handle this. 
<laughs> and, the, and they were absolutely right. I would agree yeah. that they used to we, foam we at the have, mouth. We have proven the that. the mere mention in, of him. In the past few reviews that we've read. You know what? I'm going to say uh, this is all kind of uh, downer. The I'm going to say I'm going to endeavor to make our extra that follows up this episode redemptive and positive. I like that. Okay. I like that. Ernest Wait. Goes to Podcast, A Story of Redemption. <laughs> Says a plot device involving a subatomic brain accelerator provides the star with a chance to show a little more um range than his constantly mugging okay. hero generally allows. But otherwise, it's stupid janitorial jokes galore, enough to keep fans of sophomoric humor satisfied until the next Jim Carrey flick hits theaters. Jim Barney, kind of like Jim Carrey. Gave it a C. Oh. Oh, I thought you were saying yes. <laughs> they graded it a C. Got it. I mean, did they grade it because it's school? Maybe. Okay. But yeah, I mean, hey, not bad. That was that could have been a lot meaner. It sure. Was kind to Jim. Uh, <laughs> and speaking of like the, you don't have Ernest to kick around anymore. Yeah. Maybe it's just like he's he's directing video guys. Let's just <laughs> like, just stop. Yeah. You want to take TV Guide, and I'll take Radio Times because it amuses me that they uh, reviewed it. But this is TV Guide. TV Guide next. Ernest goes to school in this feeble-minded comedy, America's favorite janitor, Ernest P. Worrell, again plums the depths of recycled slapstick. A little janitorial humor for you there. <laughs> this direct-to-video series installment is characterized by impoverished writing, slipshod direction, and an imbecile protagonist whose novelty value is worn out to the point of frazzling. Mm. Inept handyman Ernest Jim Varney is a fixture at Chippewa Falls High School. Setting out to repair a leaky faucet, blah, blah, blah. We talk about the plot of the movie, and there's other people in the movie, and they talk about the movie, and here's why the movie ends. Okay, this is really mostly the entirety of the movie. Ernest Goes to School chiefly demonstrates that its creators need a crash course in shooting comedy sequences. The camera never seems to be in the right place for laughs. Hmm. Seeing the stagnant farce is like being trapped in a Three Stooges short starring only one stooge. Except that Jim Varney isn't even as funny as Curly Joe Dorita. What is that like a double slam? I guess I don't know. I'm <laughs> baffled by a lot of these. Given the popularity of the Ernest films, it's astonishing that Varney displays so little flair for physical comedy. Okay. Oh, boo! I'm gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> the first boo. I'm gonna interject. I'm gonna step away. Okay. Let me let me start the sentence again. I'm going to read it a different way. Okay. Given the popularity of the Ernest films, it's astonishing that Varney displays so little flair for physical comedy. When in doubt, he contorts his rubbery visage. Ironically, oh, here we go. Ironically, Varney is funnier in his turn as Ernest's brainy alter ego than as his trademark clod. <laughs> this ugly looking kitty movie adds insult to injury <laughs> oh by ending with one of those sappy redemptive moral lessons. The hero who gets too big for his overalls has to learn who his true friends are. Is that an expression uh, I should be familiar with? He, no. The, okay. I don't think he wears overalls once. Meanwhile, kids are given the dubious message that it's actually better to be dumb so long as you're nice. <gasps> no, it's better to be yourself. <laughs> Not according to this person. Thus, Ernest Goes to School emerges as the poor man's Forrest Gump. I mean, even if you were to take that lesson from it, wouldn't it be that it's better to be dumb than to be mean? I would agree with that more than what this is saying. Uh, but this wraps up by saying, stupid is as stupid does business. Silence. Okay. Because <laughs> Forrest Gump is a thing, you see. Right. So now I get another point of reference. Okay. The Radio Times, for some reason. Okay. Ernest goes to school and it is a blurb. 
Jim Varney's unlovable creation, Ernest P. Worrell. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we're really, (laughs) up until this point in the podcast, we've been really like using all of our resolve to not like interject in every yeah. like other sentence of this and now it's just our resolve is worn down it we, we are we're beaten we've been beaten yes down. they may not have Ernest to kick around anymore but they do have Aaron and we, David I've, I've been turning the other cheek exactly or, right I, mean, <laughs> I ran out of cheeks I'm gonna keep doing it as the best of my ability okay please Jim continue. Varney's unlovable <laughs> creation Ernest P. Worrell gets a dose of learning in yet another installment in the dim series Forced to return to the classroom to finish his high school diploma, the lowly janitor is transformed into an intellectual with the help of two mad scientists. However, it's not long before the whole school is plunged into chaos. That's just the plot. Even by the low standards of the franchise, this is feeble stuff. Okay. Even by the low standards of the franchise, this is feeble. So Ernest movies used, used to, to be, be good. good. <laughs> <laughs> Slam dunk artist. We, we've run out of... of uh, oh, is, this, is this the last one? Yeah, that was the last one of school. So we only had a couple for school, and now Slam Dunk is next? Slam Dunk has two that I could find, TV Guide and Radio Times. So okay. you take TV Guide and try to focus on Ernest. Okay. All right, TV Guide, Slam Dunk, Ernest. <laughs> oh, man. Why me, Lord? Why me? Good question. Why you? Who are you? I'm the Archangel of Basketball. First, the good news. This cornball... (laughs) I love the good news, bad news structure of some of these. This cornball comedy is less appalling than its predecessor, Ernest Goes to School. The bad news is that Slam Dunk Ernest is another piecemeal confection built around the antics of Varney, the man who's taken an archetypal American comedy figure, the bumbling clown with a romantic soul, and turned Mm -hmm. it into an oxymoron. A lovable redneck. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. I had to get up for that one. Just got out of my chair. Wow. Okay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what what a what a jerky thing to say. Awful. Oh man, I didn't know. My goodness. All of his Why? all of his life I'm just gonna move on from that. Mean. All of his life, Ernest P. Worrell, Jim Varney, mm. dreams of hoop stardom. Feeling that white janitors can't jump. See what see what we did there? There's mm. another movie that you can see. Okay, they talk about the, the plot of the movie, da, 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 yeah. and then they continue. Here's my opinion. Here's the plot of the movie. Here's my opinion again. Exactly. The, the <laughs> review sandwich. For proud papas and their sports enthusiast youngsters, Slam Dunk Ernest provides a fairly enjoyable time. Great. Not nearly as preachy as bigger budgeted sports fantasies like Angels in the Outfield. That's funny considering it is the, the God one where God is a character. It's, yes. There's an angel in it. Well, I mean, I think Angels in the Outfield also has even angels. preachier, I yeah. guess. Uh, maybe just because of <laughs> not as by preachy of, as the other audience size. the other re- religious sports movies. <laughs> right. This rube in the big city comedy unleashes enough lightning quick basketball action for armchair b ballers and enough slapstick to tickle the funny bones of very young viewers. Okay. Unfortunately, the direction isn't nimble enough to maximize these assets. Hmm. While rural funny man Varney's appeal endures from flick to flick. Slam Dunk Ernest isn't likely to win him new converts with its reversion to formula. Each successive Ernest movie seems to simply move the character's patented destruction specialties to new venues. Although the film's life lessons about team spirit are welcome in contemporary kid flicks, does every Ernest movie have to end with the puffed-up fool saving the day after being deflated by the removal of some artificially induced miracle helper? I suppose, I suppose I, not. No, they don't have to all in that way. Watching Ernest settle for his own intrinsic Forrest Gumpdom. 
Here we go. <laughs> is not a spectacle viewers can enjoy ad infinitum. To paraphrase James okay. Brown, Ernest needs a brand new bag. Well, what? Where Why do we do that at James the end? Brown come from? <laughs> Interesting. So basically, they're saying this this is getting old. Uh, yes. Okay. All right. The Radio Times. I don't know why they're reviewing it. All right. Same person. Okay. The consistently unfunny Jim Varney. Ret- <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. The, it's so weird that they're reviewing. The consistently unfunny Jim Varney returns as Ernest P. Worrell in another edition in the film series featuring the madcap adventures of the trouble-prone simpleton. When the dumber-than-dumb Ernest comes into a possession of a pair of magic basketball shoes, he and his work colleagues come up against professionals of the game. Okay, plot Kareem of the movie. Jules yep. Tavar, isn't it? Puerile humor is interspersed with the usual lashings of childish slapstick and sentimentality. Yeah, that's the blurb. Okay. Uh, I can't believe these movies still exist, but here's what it is. Okay, so Ernest, that was 1995's Slam Dunk Ernest. Let's go to, um, again, TV Guide and Radio Times. I mean, I I suppose TV Guide is doing reviews of, like, home video releases. Like, here's what's what's new at the Blockbuster store shelves this week. And, again, Radio Times is doing it for some reason. Yes. Um, (laughs) We're open to suggestions as to why the Radio Times is reviewing this. I'm sorry the TV Guide one is so much longer. Do you want to, to trade? No, I'll do it. I'll skip the, the parts where they just talk about the plot. So this is 97. As we have uh, Ernest goes to Africa. Ernest! Uh, not to worry, Renee. I know this tribe. They're friendly. Hey! How y'all doing? Okay, Ernest goes to Africa. Oh, dear. Right. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with any criticism. There's a lot of extremely valid criticism about Ernest sure, goes to Africa. Sure, sure, sure. I'm going to try to keep this, as with all of these, uh, focused, on, focused on Ernest. Ernest. Yeah. The Ernest series gets a shot in the arm with this above-par entry involving the beloved... Wait, what? I'm reading the words on the page. <laughs> okay, wait, this is <laughs> this is a, a turn I did not expect. Uh, same, big same. Uh, a shot in the arm with this above-par entry involving the beloved blue-collar boob with gems stolen from an African idol. Jim Varney hasn't improved in the versatility department, but the supporting cast is crisply professional, and the hoary gags date back to the Cenozoic rather than the Paleozoic era. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what that means. They talk about the plot of the movie. Since the earnest phobic won't go near this movie, it's best to review this peon to plebeianism. <laughs> Sorry, I, I read that wrong. Since the earnest phobic won't go near this movie, it's best to review this peon to plebeianism for the predisposed. Okay, so this is for us. Only, I guess. only earnest groupies will respond charitably to the director's slippery grasp on framing slapstick routines and to his script that runs in circles through similar perils. Though obviously inspired by 1995's Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, Perhaps. there's there's no disputing that the Ernest series benefits from the change in locale, as well as from losing the sentimentality that marred Whoa. that marred slam dunk Ernest. <gasps> Concentrating on sundry cliff-hanging mishaps, Ernest Goes to Africa succeeds by lampooning the Indiana Jones films and putting a moron in Harrison Ford's boots. Varney is an affable goofus, and the tried-and-true gags are resilient enough to reaffirm this series' comical earnestness. What? I'm shocked right now. Same. The sentimentality of Ernest was what was holding him back. And we definitely noted the loss of heart in Ernest Goes to Africa when we talked about it. This is reminding me of Jail, where it's right. like, oh, finally Ernest is the thing I always thought Ernest should be. 
Right. And that's something that off air I talk about with people with regards to a lot of the sequels that happen now where it's right. like, oh, you know, this Star Wars film is is what I always thought Star Wars should be. So this one is the superior one. Ghostbusters film exactly more recently right. is what I always thought Ghostbusters mm-hmm. should be or yes. what I want it to be. Yes. This film that caters specifically to me is therefore superior to everything else that has come before. Right. Despite whether that's... Wow. You, but yeah, Has you, any objective that's truth true, behind it. Because I think I did... Uh, when I say that's true, I think I think it's consistent with what we've been talking yes. about. Consistent is a better word than true. That um, I think I said that I feel like Ernest Goes to Africa is what I assumed the Ernest movies would be you did when I that. had yes. no experience with them. Yes. And so now this person is saying- When you knew saying, what they were without having seen them. Right. And now this person is saying, yes, this is better- than right. when Ernest had a heart and sentimentality and that <laughs> marred his previous film outing. Ernest always should have been a gritty reboot. <laughs> Come on. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right, that's... Why is Ernest for kids? It should have been the dark, serious <laughs> Ernest that we always needed. Stop it, David. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love how he, the Radio Times is consistently reviewing them one star. Oh. Um, Wait, was even the Africa one was one star? You just read the TV Guide. Oh, I read TV Guide. I'm oh, sorry, reading sorry, Radio sorry. Times. Okay, yes, yes, yes. One of the most spectacularly unfunny film franchises limps on, with Jim Varney reprising his dim-witted loser role for the upteenth time. This installment finds the incompetent handyman mixed up with diamond smugglers and traveling to the wilds to rescue his girlfriend, Linda Cash. Even small children are likely to find this too infantile. So make them watch it as punishment if they have been really, really bad. Wow. All right. Oh, that, that was it. That was it. Okay, very, very succinct. Succinct. I mean, to the point. Yeah, yes. you got to appreciate the conciseness. No word wasting. What's the, what could I argue with? The... Yeah, they, they didn't say much and neither will we. <laughs> uh, okay, so for now we're in 1998. The last Ernest film, Ernest in the Army. You want? Ah, yes. Again, we have TV Guide and Radio Times. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the TV Guide. You right. want to take it? Absolutely. Ernest in the Army. <laughs> Ta-da! The cavalry has arrived. Private Worrell? Well, you can call me Ernest, little lady. The wacky misadventures of America's favorite goof-off, Ernest P. Worrell, continue with this professionally polished but comedically uninspired entry. Although the Army seems like an ideal arena for Ernest's exploits, the film founders on heavy-handed narration, plotting direction, and overly familiar slapstick gags. Hmm. They explain the plot of the movie, as many of these reviews do. Technically, Ernest in the Army stands head and shoulders above previous Ernest endeavors, but the comedic heart of the film's creative personnel beats weakly in this run-of-the-mill product. Too many plot elements don't directly involve Ernest. Not enough Ernest, we're saying? Sorry, let me, I, I missed a part. Too many plot elements, for example, Tafudi's megalomaniacal antics, General Allen's hogging the spotlight, mm. Colonel Gullet's spy jinx, don't directly involve Ernest. For I an, think we said something similar. For an Ernest flick to succeed on its own limited terms, the Ernest character must be featured front and center. Wow. I mean, Christmas would disagree with you, but... I would still say Ernest in Saves Christmas is featured even more than Ernest in Army. Possibly, I suppose that's or it true. feels like that. At least the things that that don't feature Ernest at least feature characters that have a relationship with Ernest. Right. Unlike the Colonel, and, you There's know, just and, sort of something else happening yeah, somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. Non-fans may be relieved that there is less of Jim Varney's patented mugging, but then non-fans aren't likely to watch this in the first place. A few slapstick nuggets involving Ernest's basic training are all that saved this series entry 
for enthusiasts. No. So we've gone from novelty to mm-hmm. oversaturation to earnest films aren't as good as they used to be yeah. to, all right, now this is just for diehards. And <laughs> yeah. that is a fascinating trajectory. Yeah. We'll have, to, we'll have to say more about this in the extra. All right. From the Radio Times, just a tiny little blurb. Mm-hmm. Another year, another earnest adventure. Who is watching this stuff? I mean, I love us. I'm now getting really amused by this Radio Times reviewer who is being assigned earnest movie after earnest movie for some reason. I guess the answer is who's watching this stuff? You are, pal. Like very detached from British culture altogether. I guess apart from uh, the INNI guy. <laughs> I almost feel bad for this person. <laughs> To make matters worse, this one's even more sentimental than ever. Oh, my goodness. This is the same person? No, this is a different person. Oh, wow. The one where you said it was marred by sentimentality, that the previous was marred by sentimentality, that's and Africa's better. That was TV Guide. Oh, that's right. And now this is Radio Times saying, Ernest in the Army, what? which followed Africa, is sentimental again, and that's not good. Oh, my goodness. They don't what? want Ernest to have heart. What? This, this is fascinating. So now Ernest has heart. And to make matters worse, this one's even more sentimental than ever. That's right. There's a touching plot between him and Ali and Ben, you know? Mm-hmm. Here, Ernest joins the army and comes to the aid of a troubled village where he takes a fatherless kid under his wing. <laughs> I just put that in as I assume <laughs> that's his reaction to that. Moronically played and witlessly scripted, this is a laughter-free zone. That's it. Okay. Wow. that is That is fascinating that starting to see that yeah, if you assume that Ernest is unsentimental, heartless, just sort of slapstick noise, then they prefer it to be that. And when it isn't, it's not working. Make up your mind, everybody. It's yeah. a, like, I mean, that's, you know, we're generalizing that, but it. There's two different Ernest audiences. Int- there are really, there really are. At least, yeah. Huh. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. So here we are. We've, we've, I'll say this again. This was a fascinating discussion, not only from just how deeply personal yeah. this, this feels to both of us. Yeah. Where it's just like, <laughs> not only getting defensive, but also just being like, oh, okay, I guess. In some instances, you're not wrong, but in some instances, I strongly disagree. Just talking at large to all of these reviewers. But yeah, like, gosh, <laughs> well, how are you feeling? Erin is shaking her head. Uh, 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 yeah. she, she has more forehead wrinkles than when we started this episode. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I don't, I, I mean, I expected it to be critical and I expected it to be negative. I think I wasn't prepared for it to be so mean. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, uh, gosh. Um, but I, I, I shouldn't have been surprised. I think it's just, it just sort of feels like we having been so accepting and open to mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, I'm sure we were critical of Ernest. Oh, for of sure. Of course. But it still feels like very jarring and like jumping into cold water after, yeah. you know, being after insulated entire... in, sure. you know, in such a like uh, an environment that embraces Ernest and well, wants to understand him. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, as I have been cultivating these relationships for the documentary with the mm. people who worked on these films and who were like so involved and close to Jim and like yeah. I can only imagine, you know, us as fans reacting to this. I can only imagine what that was like for people who like 
spent a year or more making some of this stuff and it's like gosh i mean i definitely you know i just had a release of something that i worked for a long time on about yeah. a year yeah, yeah and i saw the critical response to it and some of it was positive and when it was negative it it's a little bit of a blow and sure, you know yeah. and i don't know how they would have felt i mean i'm sure they were aware that you know they weren't going to make a movie that was going to please a film critic sure. i'm sure they knew that i mean we have established that comedy in the moment is a difficult it's tough to review genre. comedy it's yeah. sort of did you laugh or not mm -hmm. and, and we humor, are not humor is so subjective we're yeah. certainly not i don't think we ever have judged ernest based on whether or not he made us laugh no, I don't think by so either. a certain amount, but I also think it's a given that he does make us laugh and we find him inherently funny. I, I agree with that. Yeah. So it was never a question. And so we're not judging him on that aspect. I we just, you know, we're looking at him as a character and saying what what does this character what is, what mean? This? What does it tell us about ourselves? And he's just something very interesting and there's enough material to analyze and to, to digest and, and pick apart and it's to me it's just been extremely rewarding to do that with Ernest. Yeah, absolutely. And it almost makes me sad for people to just sort of, you know, to toss it away as if that could never be more than something disposable. Hmm. Yeah. Pearls before swine, David. Mini pearls before swine. <laughs> Mini pearls before swine. Yeah. Uh, I don't think these people are swine. I'm just, um, I'm just saying, you know, I guess it's whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, it's... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think this is, again, kind of like one of those situations where it's like, I don't know that we learned a whole lot of new stuff, but we sort of got confirmation on some things. We, yeah. got, we got contradicted on some things. Like, I was not prepared for the sort of roller coaster ride of <laughs> how people were reacting, not only to what <laughs> Ernest was right. overtly, mm -hmm. but also in terms of how what Ernest was differed from what they personally thought Ernest should be. And that's... I mean, Incredibly should, interesting. There's a sense that he should be what they assumed he was. Right. And then there was a cognitive dissonance when he wasn't that. Yeah. But uh, it, it's very strange saying, okay, good. Now it's not a sentimental. Now this makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I think some things got revealed yeah. when you look at it as a pattern. One and thing, that maybe you wouldn't if you just looked at any individual review. Sure, sure. One thing that I thought there would be more of, and we got it again, we got it a little bit with the the Beverly Hillbillies references. Mm -hmm. I thought there would be more explicitly conflating Ernest and Jim Varney. Yeah, there wasn't as much of a conflation. I mean, they, they sort of stuck to Ernest and, you know, somewhat mistakenly said that he was created by Jim Varney at times. Right, right. Yes. The, and <laughs> it, the through line of who created uh, <laughs> Ernest. Ernest. I almost said who created Jim Varney. I mean, I think we know that already. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. It is interesting. Uh, we, I mean, we did have to sort of prove our assumptions, and I think we did come away with a new understanding. But yeah. I think part of what makes me sad, and there, there is a redemption to this, right? Sure. There's, there's the flip, positive flip side of this. What makes me sad is that I do view Ernest as a character, and you know, the people who are being extremely mean. You don't want his feelings to be hurt. Yeah, they're not, <laughs> well, they're not viewing him as like a person, right. right? It's not really personal to them. It's just he's a thing and they're, it's a harmless thing for them to be mean to, it's a harmless thing to, to abuse, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's almost like some sort of like, not scapegoat, for me, but yeah. But then again, I do see it as deeper than that because there were a lot of references to 
Ernest being Southern yeah. and comparisons to real people and yeah, descriptions yeah. that apply to real people. And I think that is when we talk about people reacting very negatively to Ernest mm -hmm. and uh, and misunderstanding him. I really think I do see that as an extension of real people being misunderstood yeah. and Ernest being a stand-in for those real people. I think that's very valid, yeah. I think that is what hurts even more. And that's also why Ernest is so special to me. And I think why Ernest resonates with other people who are fans. For sure. That they do see him as a real and a representative of somebody real or elements of real people in their lives. Yeah. Not only like I know someone like that, but I am someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, I also get the sense that there's, you know, similar to the idea of Bill and Ted go to hell, Ernest goes to jail. There is this idea of is vengeance the right word? So, something that comes across in the reviews of these films where it's like, oh, that, that annoying commercial guy is in films. Sure. Now's my chance to tear him apart. Right. What um, other opportunity would you have to express to the world your irritation? Yes. With? And yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, okay, like I hope that was cathartic for you, but what did it do for the culture? Like, Did this really help moviegoers? Like people who already didn't like him weren't right. going to like him. Right. Whoever already found Ernest irritating was not going to see a movie starring yeah. him. So it's like, him. what What was the... Right. The what, sort of like venting it, about yeah. Ernest. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. And and I do, I do understand it from a film perspective. I have no issue with them taking apart the films as films. Of course. But yeah, that when it starts to get very specific about the kind of person that Ernest is assumed to be and the stereotypes sure, there's a difference that he's between, associated with. To, between criticizing a film in valid ways and cheap shots that are punching down. Yeah. And, and the ways in which those extend to a certain type of person. I mean, Ernest is certainly, he is, he doesn't come out of a vacuum. He is based on real people and real people yeah. have the traits that Ernest has. Of course. Yeah. And yeah, I, I will have more to say about this. I think in our conclusion, I've been thinking a lot about this. Yes. And this is all turning towards, I think what my conclusion will be, but we will have to like redeem this and like show the, the embrace of Ernest sure. and the nostalgia for him. I mean, extra. we definitely have to show it in the extra. I think we've shown it for 24 episodes. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we didn't even get to that many more of the pop culture references. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot. But it's kind of the same, though. Like, yeah. you get the same sense. Well, I guess, right. There's only so many. Are we, they all basically mean or they use Ernest as a shorthand for like bad movie, dumb character? Many of them do. We've talked yeah. previously about Ernest Goes Somewhere Cheap. We've talked previously about the Beavis and Butthead reference. We've talked about. Um, yeah. Ernest goes to Denmark, the sort of like, oh, let's cast this aside in the Boy Meets World episode. So yeah. there's there's a lot of that sort of vibe. And I think one way that we can, in the extra, help to bring this back around is <laughs> we, we talked about how Ernest was occasionally used as like the shorthand for a bad movie. He was also occasionally used as a shorthand for just like a very silly idea, which is, is a bit more positive, I think. Just like, oh... I'm going to bring up this thing that we all collectively know is silly. Yeah. And that's going to like bring some humor out of it. But definitely the references are more mean-spirited in Ernest's heyday. And then the thing that I noticed as they go towards the turning point of, of the millennium mm -hmm. <laughs> is they start to evolve into being this kind of signifier of an era of history. The Ernest mm. era. And they, and they sort of start showing up not as references of like, oh, look at this stupid movie. <laughs> but they sort of start to just be 
almost like set dressing or production design. It's like we're going to have Ernest in the background. He's going to show be that right what playing year on it the is. TV to show what yeah, year it is, and the, the marketing of an. Yeah. He becomes less this like unwanted annoyance and he becomes more this presence that was unavoidable in the lives of children who grew up in a certain era and i think that's a way that yeah that can sort of be brought back around if an earnest reference made now in media would probably be more like that probably not necessarily i mean more often than not i would say as we go towards present day one of the things i found was that Earnest references are either a signifier of a certain era, especially in like period piece TV shows, mm-hmm. or they're like a really niche kind of reference, like a deep oh, we're, cut. We're gonna like we're gonna bring up this obscure thing, yeah. yeah. And those, <laughs> it's it's interesting to see that sort of like that turn happen. Yeah. It, well, I liked the I guess the Goldberg reference you found. Oh, we didn't talk about that. Sort yeah. of like that. It's like the cultural marker. It's a marker of the time. Yes, there's the clip from uh, the Goldbergs that we were watching just before we started recording where one of the characters is going to see Ernest Saves Christmas. Um, the ticket clerk at the movie theater says, I'm sorry, but it's sold out. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I like that Ernest is uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, packing the theaters. One for Ernest Saves Christmas, please. Sorry, sold out. Damn it, no! I know Ernest Saves Christmas, but how? It's one of life's big questions. Next! Which is is wonderful. That's just a wonderful way to to kind of and and you know that is a contrast to the Perfect Strangers reference you mentioned. Sure, yeah. Where the flight movie was Ernest goes to camp, so that was shorthand for a movie no one wants to see, and that's going to enrage one, the populace. This yeah. character really wants to see it, and also it's sold out. Yeah. So that I mean, it's still a funny reference to Ernest Saves Christmas. I think yeah. it's still supposed to be funny that he wants to see it so badly. Oh sure, and it is funny. But it's not the same mean-spirited, like, shorthand for the worst thing ever. I think there's a there's an acknowledgement that it's not regarded as high cinema, but it's, it it's is also that he's going to see sweet it. that he wants to see it. Exactly right. And there, yeah, and it's okay. And more than that, there's a joke written around it. Like, that's a funny yeah. joke, too. Like, yeah, that's a joke. When it stops being... The reference is the joke. Right. The mere mention of Ernest's name is a punchline. Exactly right. When it stops being that for, for better or for worse, yeah. then you start to get these things crafted around. And I'll, I'll actually, I'll we'll talk more about these in the yeah, extra, yeah, but yeah. I'll, I'll wrap up this with one of my other favorite Ernest references, which is an episode of How I Met Your Mother. Okay. Not to prove that you are as American as apple pie and the childhood obesity it leads to. <laughs> Who is this? That? Barney? Is the American actor beloved by millions, the Haverne guy from the popular series of Ernest Films? And his name? Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> Jeff Foxworthy? No, it's Jim Varney. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I That's love funny. I love the notion of... He is of beloved. That's all I need. <laughs> beloved American by mil- by millions. icon. But I love the idea of a test for how American you are. Yeah. And the ultimate question is recognize Jim Varney as Ernest. Yeah. What else can be said? Again, very amusing that that man from the Radio Times was forced to watch so many (laughs) Ernest films. Uh, Yeah. You know, and I'm... (laughs) Gosh, and maybe this is another question for the listeners. If you can help us find more, oh, oh international, international yeah. reviews, yeah, yeah, that would be interesting to see. Very interesting. And of course, keep finding and sending me your uh, earnest and pop culture references because I'm cataloging those not only for for this show but also for the documentary. But you know, here we are, decades later. Oh yeah, uh, group watching earnest films That's right. and television shows on the internet with other fans and other podcasts sprouting up. 
that are analyzing Ernest and appreciating him and even starting out slightly more skeptical and then falling in love. It, it's happening, guys. It, it happened a little bit to it's me. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just goes to show that no matter how maligned you are by one person, you're going to be some other person's exactly what they want. You're going to be some other person's sure. delight. Absolutely. I mean, Ernest has stood the test of time. He won. That, I was just going to say something very yeah. similar. Yeah, yeah. Like we're here talking right now. Yeah. There's all this stuff out there celebrating Ernest. What What are those review writers up to? Are they still working? <laughs> I hope so. I mean, oh, I, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you take care all. Yes. Don't let this get you down. Go back and revisit some of our older episodes and get, get, get that, that Watch energy back. stuff. Yeah. It's okay. It's yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I look forward, very much look forward to next time. Oh, yeah. So until then. Take care, listeners. Viva Labarney! Barney.